trying to think I saw. You want to do a show? Yeah, yeah, we'll All do right. a show. Let's, uh, let's do... My beard, by the way, is, is really... looking Wisconsin. You better watch out. I might... I might uh, in the beard race, I might... You know how... I, gotta, I have to... I don't... Do you know how what often an uncle, you trim it? Can I just tell you what an uncle thing you just said to me right there? Like, that's only... A beard an, race? Watch out, because I'll catch up with your beard. Like, only only uncles would yeah. say something okay. like that. Well, let me tell you a couple things, John. Uh, first of all, I'm not in a race. This is just my beard. <laughs> Covers my chin... Or my non. Okay, well, I'm glad I'm in this contest. I didn't know. <laughs> you can you can compete against whoever you want for as long as you want. There was a kid at the school. Welcome to Hollywood Anonymous. I am Brian Irwin. And I'm John Huck. There was a kid at school that was like, um, Mr. Beardo? And I was like, I'm sorry, what? Like, they just stopped calling he, me by my name. He and called, called it. No, it was a girl. And I knew who she was. And I think... I have a fairly decent reputation around there of like not being like the other adults. <laughs> I was gonna where say, like, you got I cool, can, you're a cool dad. You can mess with me and oh, like yeah. I'm okay with it. He's a comedian. So yeah, Mr. Well, I don't even know. I don't even think they understand that concept. But they He's just know weirdo. that I'm. Yeah, yeah, that's closer. I'll use the term silly. You can use weirdo from, a, from on the other side of the silly. fence. Silly. He's silly. Weirdo, weirdo would be if I did everything that I did on the other side of the fence, uninvited. Silly, ah. allowed on campus, technically I'm okay. I got it. That right? actually is a pretty good definition. Yeah. I got more where that came from. No, yeah. But yeah, I just started laughing with uh, <laughs> Mr. Beardo. I was like, where did you even hear that? That's like a, yeah. that's like something we would like, what's up, weirdo Beardo? Like yeah. the guy that's like freaking it's, everybody out at the it's bar. Ve- it's very advanced. Now, do you think she heard her parents call you probably, that? Probably. <laughs> I'm gonna go with the answer yeah. is absolutely yes because Tan- the mom, Tanner the mom and Elliot's laughed. dad, Tanner and Elliot's dad. Yeah, he grew a beard. Oh yeah, beardo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do. I have to decide. I have to, I'm at a point. There's two points, as you know, you're way past this, but there's two points in beard growth that you have to make decisions at. One is the early phase, where it itches so much you want to just rip it off your face, and that that lasts very briefly. But I have very sensitive skin, so so I have to. I, I I'm like it's a I, I want to just down, do it. Dude, you don't need to fade it out anymore. Just oh, turn sorry. it all I, the I way just, fucking down. Okay. Jesus. I just know how much you love the song. God damn. What? You, like, you're telling your story over a marching band. It's irritating <laughs> to listen to. Marching bands, that's a thing. It is a thing. That that's they, a, in high school, that's have, a big have deal. Have you seen the video of the marching bands that go to Klan rallies and like they'll go to the parades and be like, fur, fur, with tubas <laughs> and stuff and just like make. Oh, it's hilarious. Oh, uh, I think. They, yeah. Yeah, they thank God, thank God for uh, the the interwebs. But um, uh, before I forget, uh, I to, I did already forget what we were talking about. Weirdo, weirdo, you're you're cool. Dad. Oh, so there's the two phases. Like I want to oh, rip yeah. it off my face because it itches. But then you get to the now. I'm, now I'm at a point of like, when is it too much? Uh, I mean, when is it when the doctor's like, are you depressed? Yeah, when you start looking like you're on Duck Dynasty. Yeah, I mean, but it's not huge. I don't have a huge beard. No, you don't. You dude. said to me, but the only reason why I said it is said as soon in, as you saw me, you were like, whoa. I said it's in full bloom, meaning like the last time I was here, I don't remember any facial hair, and now I'm seeing a beard. So right, uh, granted, it's been a couple weeks. Yeah, it takes about two weeks for me. I'm a very You're hairy You're a hairy person. beast. So it doesn't take long. It did take longer this time, though. Interesting. Uh, before, yeah, okay, that's not that interesting. I mean, no, it is because they, that's when you start realizing certain parts of your body are dying slowly, yeah. and they don't. Your they face don't, is they don't have the get up and go that they once did in your, youth. Your face isn't. Uh... But I also beard judge now. Oh yeah, you're like mine's better. No, I see like young guys. That, you know the cool guys that have those beards. 
that it can go all the way down here on their neck. It should and it's, nothing. It stays no, a little mm-hmm. bit thin, and you're like, oh man, well, it looks like it belongs like with sit ups and on the beach, like with a tan and tattoos, and like you got a guitar and like everything is awesome. Wow, about you're, your life. You're, you're you're putting a lot of a lot of different. Tans, tattoos on the beach, guitar. Yeah. yeah, it's but that that beard goes that like mine goes with like oh I can't get a tattoo because I have too much. Because my wife will yell at me. You have to shave. <laughs> you have to shave the spot. She has tattoos. Oh, I want to get a tattoo. Okay, but the problem is I would have to. I'm worried that I'll get it and then hair is going to grow over it. It will. Like it won't. Like I don't have like cool guy body hair either. You'd have to keep waxed. I have um. A what? A uh, Brigham, 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 because right. I know he's he's chomping at the bit he's to get a part of this. And also, you didn't even like to give me the thing I wanted to say. But oh, go ahead. No, forget it, dude. Uh, no, Carl will let you. Carl, will guest, you let him? Our guest today. No, no, no. Carl's, no Carl's talk, let... We'll talk about it in, in the show. In closing. In, I don't know about in closing. Okay. Uh, our guest today is uh, producer, filmmaker, Emmy winner, Carl Hansen. Carl, hello. how are you? Thank you for being here. Thanks for Eat that me. mic, Carl. This is delicious. There it is. Yeah, here you go. Get in there. Um... Carl, is Carl, did you ever grow a beard? I have, yeah. I, in fact, had a beard for my wedding. Oh, and was that intentional? Like, it that was. was the thing? That was the look you wanted? Because, you know, those are permanent. That's the, fo- the photo, right? Yeah. Do you hang any of those photos up, by the yeah, way? Yeah, they. Okay. I didn't. I like, how you to- I like how you told him it was that, because... I realized. Asked no, him if it was intentional. Like, he, like, woke up like, ah, shit, I have a beard, but I gotta no. get married today. Oops, oh, well. No, but he could have been in the process of just growing one, and that was just happened to be his look at the time. Like, I did a wedding where the guy was like, everybody has to grow a mustache. Oh yeah, I saw so those that pictures. was that was intent, right? right. Like, I, right. so I didn't know that. So that's when I meant that. Like, I didn't know if you were just going through a beard phase. It was a beard phase. Oh, uh, okay. So it wasn't like, hey, when I get married, I'm going to grow a beard specifically for the married. No, nope. that marriage. That's what I was asking. Ah, uh, did you? Uh, did your? I thought that? you were going to criticize me when I said, you know, those pictures are permanent, as yeah. if somehow or another. No, no, you can have them photoshopped. Have the beard <laughs> scrubbed off. Carl works at Honey, Fox. I'm going to get this. I'm going to get <laughs> the beard uh, photoshopped out. I don't like it anymore. Yeah, you can do. Just <laughs> technically, <laughs> you could it's probably yes. <laughs> I mean. If you know anybody in post, guys, <laughs> well, just put a different head on there, right? <laughs> a different, oh, a different, oh, not, yeah. not George Clooney's. You mean your face, but a different picture of you without a His beard. His wife's like, no, 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 go with Clooney, go with Clooney. <laughs> <laughs> Leave Clooney in there. Yeah, Leave that's him. good. This is just a test. This we just put Brad Pitt in there just because for a test. Well, eh, I, don't, I don't hate the way that looks. Not a test. We just, we just, it's just a holding spot. It's a holding until spot we get, until we get not, a better photo of you. You had all the pictures reframed and put back up. <laughs> yeah, well, you didn't move fast enough, so now I'm married to Brad Pitt. Um, um, I want to hear what John had to say first. Oh, I was going to talk about a TV show that I wanted to talk about, but we can talk about it later on. Okay. Why can't John want to know? Carl's interested. Well, I was going to say uh, the Mayans. Uh, it's like I was, I was, point, I was going to point at shows like Better Call Saul and the Mayans that are shows that if you've never seen what they originated from, I'm, I get jealous because people go back and binge watch. Like someone's going to go back and binge watch all of Sons of Anarchy before the Mayans premiere in September. Why would you be jealous of that? Well, you know, I just it's not jealousy. It's like. Oh man, I remember watching all that stuff the first time and really, really like, I really, I really lapped it up, man. I mean, it's goofy, nonsensical. Which it's thing? Sons, Sons of Anarchy. Sons of Anarchy. But I mean, it's like it's essentially like you know, like a woman reading a romance novel or something. I'm just like, oh yeah, man, I could be a tough biker. No, of course it could never be. A th- I won't even ride on a motorcycle, so that's never gonna. What about you? Could you play know? one. You but could, well, you'd think you could play that. a motorcycle. No, you could play a motorcycle. You think I could play a biker, but like, I'm I'm this weird. I'm this weird height and size where when I go into auditions, most of the time, I play my height down. I say I'm 6'3", and I, and I kind of stand 
so that I'm not so tall because I know that if I'm in a scene, the people around me aren't going to be 6'3". They're going to be shorter. So sometimes a director or a producer will be like, ooh, that's too... Like, if I say 6'5", they're like, that's too tall to be with our actor who's 5'6", you know? Hey, d- But d- when I go, go out ahead, for ahead. Uh, biker roles, I'm like, oh, yeah, I walk in, they're all big. 6'7". It says, must be 6'5". So I'm like, yeah, I'm 6'5". And you go in there and everyone's 7'2". They weigh 340 pounds. Yeah. They have leathers with no sleep. You're Did like, you oh, not man. watch 80s movies? I mean, yeah, I know. The, and I... I know the one guy you're talking about, too. <laughs> I know that one dude who was in, like, oh God, he was probably on a Dukes of Hazard and A-Team. Uh, like, he was, he probably was in the ever- biker he was and everything. Guy. He the was guy. In, yeah, he, like, I know exactly who you're talking about. And some of those guys, like, look, like, Sons of Anarchy crew, they look a lot like that dude. Yeah. And I know who you're talking about. I should look, we should look that guy. Now look, a lot yeah. more athletes are acting, so the competition much, yeah. much, oh, much stricter. Yeah. John's yeah. buddy, Anthony, huge, tall right. guy. But tall. And now, you know what? Now, unfortunately, not unfortunately, but now he probably weighs about the same amount as I do. This guy was an NFL lineman. He weighed, like, 370 at one yeah, point. Yeah, but that's healthy for him to not continue to weigh. Oh, dude, well, no, I know. But it's not healthy for me to weigh as much as a guy who's, like, Six seven, and you're like, saying his is all muscle, yours is other decisions. All bones. Uh, so going back to your height, <laughs> your height thing. Um, did you see that picture that was floating around of Kiki Hernandez standing, standing on, on a bucket? The bucket? Is that real or was that photoshopped? No, I, I think that's real. I think that's real. I don't remember him being that small. And look, I mean, what Jose Altuve is extremely short, and he doesn't. I mean, unless they needed to, it wasn't his choice. Maybe they needed to do it in order to. They couldn't get a proper camera. My angle. I don't guess, know. My hope is that a cameraman made him stand on that. But that's a touchy was, dude. Could you imagine saying like, that to somebody? Listen, that was uh, Tom Cruise, right? Yeah. No, well, no, no. But, but saying somebody purpose. that you don't really know, going, listen. Uh, we, I, You're going to need to stand on this uh, double it, bubble can in order for us to talk to you. Yeah, I mean... And or, not really know the person and know how right. they're going to react to that, right? Yeah, right. Or, or he asked for it. I mean, either it's if he asked for it, it's kind of weird, you know? It's like, what do you care, man? You're a professional athlete. This just happens to be how tall you are. You're a professional athlete. <laughs> You've clearly overcome whatever physical obstacles might have been in your way with your size. Like, and again, I've never seen El Tuve, who is probably one of the shortest people in baseball, stand on anything to talk to anyone because he's a World Series champion. You know what I mean? He's like, what? I'm, I'm Jose El Tuve. He stands on the uh, actual. He uh, stands on the trophy. On the trophy. <laughs> he, he just, yeah. he just trophy. sticks it into the he ground. He actually stands down. in it. He stands inside the trophy. He's that big. Little people jokes. He helps raise the flags. Uh, still crushing it in after the all these years. Yeah. <laughs> still crushing it after all these years. Still crushing um, it after all these years. Uh, was I just going to. Did I get a. So back to Carl. Oh, so okay. Carl, yeah, so. Sorry, I thought I, was, so thought just I had a, a text from Carl. I got so scared. I want to go back to the, the beard photograph. So do you. Look at the photos, not care. Do you look at the photos and or has your wife looked at the photos and wished you had not had it or no one cared? That, no one cared. Okay. It, it, was, it was the look for the day. The, the pictures are the pictures. Yeah. There are other things that I know my wife thinks about she wishes had been different on our wedding day. but so Because that, that's, that's a thing about weddings. I don't... We've all been through them. I, uh, I've done it twice and uh, the second time scaled way back because I, I just was at this pomp and circumstance shit, man. It's just like it puts too much pressure on everybody involved. Everybody wigs out and for what? Right? Yeah. For regret? You know what I mean? Yeah, like, it's exactly. a weird... The whole wedding thing to me is very weird. I'm never, I'm never going to say don't do it. Do whatever the hell you want. But just, oh my God. Right? Wrap yeah. it up. Yeah. I don't know. It's, uh, it's interesting. I have no regrets from that day. Was it a big one, small one, medium? I guess it was probably medium. Like cup of hundy? Or less than a hundy? No, it was like 113, I want to say. Okay, yeah, that's about a a reasonable, controllable size. Traditional? 
The tradition, pretty tra- uh, No, not traditional. It was in the round. Uh, my wife's uncle married us. Okay, which was, was really nice. Um, and I just remember it being an awesome day. I just remember standing around, looking, appreciating, like, "Hey, here are two worlds coming together of everybody I love in the world around me and, and around us and surrounding us." It really was awesome. So you did it. Uh, uh, both you guys from the same area, like, so that was you were able to pull that off, or what did you? Know, how did we, you? Know? We did it out here. So we met out here. We okay. met on a show. Okay. Um, you want, can you tell us the name of the show? Yeah, Mind of Mencia. Mind of Mencia. All right. So whatever comics think of Carlos Mencia, he brought people together. <laughs> do you? Did you work on the uh, uh, Hollywood studio, uh, Center's yes. lot where Hollywood Mad Center. TV was? Yep. Yeah. Exactly. We had. I wonder if you took our offices. We were on the man. I was on the Man Show right before it was canceled with Joe and Doug. I believe it was the same offices. Yeah. I remember somebody Crazy. saying that. Yeah. Cool. All right, so you guys met on Mind of Mencia. What were you What were you doing there? I was a coordinating producer. And what was she doing? She was doing craft services. Awesome. Uh-oh, looks like somebody had Away. to come up with some good game to start. I just like to Did eat. You st- <laughs> You're like, hey, you I'm going to be around this table a whole okay. lot. Okay. beautiful woman. I, I got to break this down, though, because given the nature of what she does and the fact that you're visiting... You had to come up with some some sort of like. Did it start with like talking about like food selections? Like how creative were you in respects to getting to know this person? It just was natural. It literally. I mean, I would oh, hang listen around, to this guy all of a sudden. I would hang around that table <laughs> because I like to eat. And here's a woman, really attractive woman, who is nice and friendly and smiles a lot. We would just kind of like chat it up, right? But it's like, oh, here I'd be snacking, right? I mean, I would just that's I'm a we snacker. all snack. We all I'm snack. I'm a snacker, snack. dude. Love the snacks. You know, so uh, so I'm like, oh, and this this person can cook. Like, this is awesome. Like, this person's really didn't great. Say that out loud earlier. I on, didn't. Did I just oh, thought okay. in my head, I'm like, oh, the churros <laughs> that are being made are delicious. Right, right. Um, She's never come by with a bad hors d'oeuvre. That, and I have to say, for for John, you've been to a party at our home. She really doesn't come by with a bad hors d'oeuvre. Oh my god, no, 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 no! Your parties are next level. I she's, mean, she's amazing hostess. Yeah, you guys are both really uh, entertaining to to hang out with. Well, and and we're, we work well together in that regard. But anyway, I was I was hanging by the snack table, and and she was there, and. Then I noticed my my favorite snacks were showing up more. Oh, and my favorite drink, my favorite iced tea was there. And suddenly there were sunflowers on him. I love sunflowers. I'd mentioned that. I'm like, this is interesting. Oh, oh. so at what so point did you feel like you could like Ask move it? Out? Yeah, move it from. I never felt that way. Oh. She asked me out. Oh, okay. Oh, I my mean, God. I, I felt like I wanted to, but I didn't have the confidence. Did, did she so. ask it out through sunflower seeds and you were not picking up on the... Uh, did that come up later? Like, listen, dude. spitting them out and didn't even realize oh, good. what was going on. That's great. Um, no, she flat out asked me. I, we were talking about a show, a play that was happening nearby, and she had actually made a pact with a friend that she wasn't going to ask any more guys out, apparently. Okay. Something she's a seri- she's serial she at that? She had you have to ask her. I don't, I don't know where previous dating... Uh-oh. Dating we don't want to do that. We don't need to... You know. Right. So, but, She'll be our uh, next guest. Yeah. The, the name of the show is not Let's End This. <laughs> <laughs> and then bring the couples on and have them talk after. It's great. This is fantastic. Reality Format podcasting. Rights. Format rights. Um... But no, so she had asked me out after making this pack, but we ended up going out, and it was a great time. I mean, there's all sorts of stories regarding... How long had she been working in the, in the biz uh, before she got so that gig? So she's an actress. The, by trade, she, she acts, um, but this was a day job, right? It was like yeah. a job. Yeah, 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 everybody yeah, yeah. has to have Everybody, one. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. And the fact that she's smart enough, not smart enough, but like fortunate enough to have a day job within the, the entertainment industry, so she is... Stay around, stay familiar. You're around right. all the time, yeah, 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 yeah. And the person that everybody either really, really loves 
or really, really doesn't understand why they're there on set. Because like, if the craft service isn't good, people get real upset. Like parking and food. A hungry yeah, crew is an angry crew. <laughs> always feed your crew. Yeah, what I always tell people. Yeah, always feed your crew for sure. So. But yeah, okay. So okay, yeah. You you. She asked you. You went to a play. Yeah. The rest is history. Actually, the play was sold out. Never even went to the play. Just ended up going to a bar. I waited <laughs> in line for an hour at this bar with it pouring down rain and her not responding to my text. And I was like, I don't know if I'm going in. This I is a Phil Collins song. If, uh, <laughs> I, don't think you're te- I don't think you're telling us the truth. Has he written a song about meeting a crafty girl, too? Well, I'm going to have to look at all his albums. It's a storybook. It's a storybook beginning. <laughs> but she was in there, and it was great. It was fun, fun time. What bar was it? Uh, short the shortstop. Oh, oh, yeah. John, yeah, right by Dodger Stadium. Yeah, we I all want know to say that maybe one. it was eighties night. I think it was eighties uh, night. Oh, was it like a Sunday? It, it was, was either it dancing. A, yeah, it was dancing yeah. for sure. Oh, nice, nice, dancing. nice. Dancing. Are you a dancer? I am not oh. not professionally, but well, <laughs> I think I think I think like I don't know you that well, but I would say like. Carl's in for then a good time. Then why is he here? Sorry, Carl's in for a good time. Great, like, great meeting you guys. Did you, did you fill out this? <laughs> I just the, broke in. We asked a lot of, did you fill out the paperwork? We can do a background check oh, before you came in. No, what my uh, point is, like, I think, like, <laughs> when you said, you asked me if he's a dancer, I think Carl's up for doing whatever's fun at the moment. Yeah, but I'm not, I think I, I danced back in the 80s, but then there was, like, I got to a point in my life where I'm like, I am not going out there. Like, I literally just, like, literally was, Became adamant about like I'm not going on the dance floor, and I know that like some people think like you're a jerk. Like just go have fun, loosen up, go dance. That's why I was I was curious if you do because I I lost that. I can't do it. Do you dance? Will you go on the on the floor and dance? I yeah, absolutely. And I and and it's it's it's, fun. it's gotten even better with with my with Nicole because she likes she like when I met her I wasn't always because. I'd been to some weddings, been on the dance floor a lot, been to other weddings, not been on the dance floor at all. But he's talking I mean? about like at a bar. Yeah. I'm yeah, t- even that. They, but this, it was like, there's a dance floor at this place, right? So it's yeah, like, it's, it's like everyone's dancing. That still everyone's won't get like, me out No, there. I'll, I'll dance. I'll dance it, for sure. Yeah. What kind of dance, though? Are you like a hip swinger? A hip are you, swinger? Are you, Dude, a, are you a running man? Are you a... Uh, I'm more of a like... A skipper? I'm more of like, I like to point a lot with my oh, fingers, that's you know? not dancing. I and can then do I that. Like, I like... Okay, what did you what did you want me to say? I'm classically trained at ballet. Like, what no, are you expecting me I to wanna do? I want to know. You, I thought you were just doing hand dancing. No, I'm dancing. I'm moving my feet. Uh, okay, man. Right. You know, I'm moving like <laughs> not sitting in a chair like like an old like an old like an elderly person workout. Like I'm just moving my arms <laughs> like in circles. Like, like you eh. said, what's the the Jewish dance where everyone jumps on the chair? They they the, pick me up and that's how I. Hit that's the, the only way John. I dances. get carried around dance floors in chairs. I'm a dancer, guys. Having a gila, right? Is that what it's yes, called? Is yes. Yes. Well, that's okay. the song I think they right. play. Yeah. Right. But uh, uh, yeah. No, I mean I get up. I'm on my feet. I'm moving around. I twirl and, and then okay. wow. You know, okay. I'll spin her and really? dips and whatever. Okay. It sounds and, like a Viagra commercial. Uh, Carl. No, if it was a Viagra commercial, we would just be standing next to each other at a concert, awkwardly <laughs> dancing, waiting to get a boner or whatever that is, whatever the guy's <laughs> waiting, waiting for. for- Waiting for the boner. Is that the emotion that they tell that guy when he's, you know... Okay, you're waiting for your boner and act. (laughs) Isn't that what what Bob Dole's direction was? (laughs) Bob Dole, hold up the pen. You're waiting for your boner and speak. He falls off the stage. Bob Dole didn't like that. One bit. That's my Bob Dole. What kind of dancer are you? Uh, I just go with the flow. I you go do? With, yeah. You're all over the place. I, I mean, I love dancing with my wife. Like, she's a dancer, too. Like, we'll go out. We're usually the people on the dance floor at weddings. We're the first ones out there. Okay, sometimes. you're a fire starter, too. We are okay. absolutely. Okay, fire starter. But, but does, she, does, does she like to dance by herself, too? Does she ever do that? Will like, she just leave you and go dance and then <laughs> you may like, or may not join? Nicole will straight up turn mm. around and like face the other way. Oh, and like that. M- move away from me. <laughs> oh, my God, that's she, hilarious. Jen and I dance really well together. Sometimes I have to take a break. 
So I'll go and she'll continue dancing and then right. I'll go back and join her and just depends on the songs, you know? Yeah. I'm feeling it. See, here's what I'm not prepared for. And this goes back to what you were talking about with the wedding thing. Be, and again, we've all had the wedding, so I'm assuming there was dancing at your wedding. Absolutely. As a child, that's one of your memories when you were forced to go to weddings is oh, watching yeah, old people and you're like, are they like reliving? Like, what's going on out there with all of oh, them? Is man. this the only time they ever the get out? I was on the my cousin's wedding. I was in like fourth but you grade. Know what I'm, but you still know what I'm talking about, right? There's that element of like you watching them and you're going, all right, some of these people, this is the only time they get out anymore. That's sad. Some of these people are trying to recapture something. That I, How old are you I, when you have this thought, by the way? Yeah, I was huh? going to say, like, you're like, you're like, like oh, I don't care. What I was in fourth grade. I'm like, I, I don't never. have to have my shoes on on the dance floor? Well, this is going to kick some ass. Not me. Watch these karate moves, everybody. Not me. Like I did, I did have fantasies of going around stealing alcohol. I never did do it because I learned that from Caddyshack. I was there's, say, there's a bad ending to these things yeah, he if you're not up careful. In a convertible. Yeah. <laughs> well, he also drank a cigarette. So, Oof, well, I did that. I've done that. You really? I've got. I, I accidentally d- drank a fish once. Somebody stuck one a goldfish into the drink right before you do the shot, so you grab it and you boo it. And I was like, well, that was kind of a dick move. Oh, that was a super dick move. I, yeah. Somebody was ashing in a and put their cigarette out in a bottle, like almost a full bottle of Bush Light. And I was in college, and I thought that it was my bottle. I thought. I'd put it down. So I, w- I just started drinking from it. It was cold. Drank the whole thing. Got down to the bottom, and the cigarette hit me in the teeth. And I was Ooh. like, what is this? <laughs> I was really grossed out, man. It was really disgusting. And then you danced At the same time, I was like in college and probably then like went out and smoked a cigarette. I was just going to say, like, it didn't stop you. Nah, dude. Nothing. It was nothing somebody else's cigarette. That's yeah. really gross when somebody else's Yeah, right. but the thing was, it was a small school. I knew everyone in the room. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Carl, where are you from? Uh, Beverly, Massachusetts, originally. Okay, an East Coaster. Yes, been out here 18 years in Los Angeles. 18, so you say, you and I, we, sh- we showed up off the boat, same year, 2000. That's, uh, I was December 4th, 99. Okay, so okay, it's in a contest like the beard thing, okay? Wow. <laughs> but you win, you win, Carl. Carl, you got out here literally a month and a day after I did. Oh, really? See? I got oh. out here oh, no, look, John November just won. 3rd, 1999. Oh, wait, no. Did, wait, he beat you? No, I beat him. Oh. Carl, sorry, but I don't. I wasn't doing it as a contest. The, I was just saying. Oh, really? Because the there was other. Contest, otherwise, not, there was no. Not there was no beard contest. <laughs> I, I think if you look and remember, I mentioned Carl's an Emmy winner. So obviously, we've had the same exact careers, <laughs> trajectories. Trajectories. We're the exact same. Uh, what did you? Uh, how did you win your Emmy? Uh, so there's actually a funny story about that experience because my department so I work at Fox Sports I'm, okay. I'm the head of production for Fox Sports Films head of produ- oh okay so that's that's my job right and um, work on all these amazing documentary projects one of which was nominated for best long form documentary called 89 Blocks LeBron James was an EP on it Maverick Carter we had a, we, you know was, we partnered with Uninterrupted his company um, and uh, and so I knew we were nominated for this um, for this category, which is amazing because that's competing with ESPN's 30 for 30s. and Yeah, which and is what the idea of the Fox Sports films was, right? It was to compete with that kind correct. of, that, that kind of uh, documentary athletic sports filmmaking. Yeah, yeah. and then, I mean, you know, HBO's. And, right, and it started, HBO kind of started that, though. HBO Sports was like back, back in the day that did the first couple really provocative or uh, worthwhile docs like that, right? Yeah, well, and, you know, my my current boss uh, had worked there, had done 24-7s, and, you know, he had done 30 for 30s, and so uh, he came in, and, you know, he knew his stuff, he knew the right people that needed, you know, we needed to hire to, to make really high-quality content, the right. same people making making these other things. And, uh, and so out of the gate, we made this long-form doc. It was nominated. So I go to the, the sports semis in New York. This is on a Tuesday night. Um, and 
we end up losing that category. And I was like, ah, oh, it's a real bummer. You know, it's like, it would be nice, but it's like, great, we were nominated, fantastic. Um, our department was also nominated for this other show called 100,000 Cameras, but for me, I just thought it was a... Keep the a, mic in front of you. Oh, sorry, no, I'm no, not... That's all right, that's all right, that's all right. I'm, t- <laughs> I'm like a rock star. Yeah. <laughs> um, but so, uh, so, you know, I knew my department was nominated for this other show, but not, you know, th- that was like, yay, our department, we win. We win, we win for this show. And We're my a boss, team, so that's cool. Yeah, I was like, yay, go team, go Fox Sports. Like, this is great. And then I look in the program, and my name is listed underneath the show. And as the, oh, the only name underneath. As, as one of the, there's, oh, there's oh, multiple okay. names. NASCAR Productions was really the, the producer of it, but I was, I was in, intimately involved um, okay. from the Fox Sports. I, like, I was, I was um, in, in the thick of it, managing all this other stuff for us internally. Um, but I didn't know that I was on this list. Nobody had ever told me. It was never listed anywhere. It just was, I was there. And my boss is up there talking, and I was like, and I looked at this, I'm like, my, my name's on this list. I think I just won an Emmy. Like it was this slow burn realization that I had no idea had even happened until after. I'm like texting my wife, going, "Oh, we lost for 89 blocks. Oh, I think I, I think, think I just won. won an Emmy for this. My name's here." And she's like, "What?" I mean, like I'm texting and, and she wasn't with because you? your name is there. That means you you get an individual Emmy. Correct. correct. Okay. Correct. Um, wow. I mean, I, That's allegedly, funny. I haven't gotten it yet, but allegedly the statue will arrive at some point. At oh, some wow. point. So you didn't go up on stage or anything? Cause, no. Yeah, because no. you're just realizing it as you're sitting there going, uh, I mean, Yeah, he ran he up the last up there, second. Hey, guys, I just figured it out. Wait a minute. I won too. <laughs> I go up a few awards later. I totally forgot uh, that I actually was supposed to come up for the last. What? So that was for that was for the, which? It was 100,000 cameras, Michigan State at Ohio State. Um, which aired last year, and it's it's this social media experience. We won for best TV social wow. experience. Um, wow! Which I I love the idea of being able to interact with the public in that is, way. Is that what that was? Is that it's like how did how does it, how did that work? What was you it? You had to acquire the footage from all those people. Basically? All those people, yeah. They would have a hashtag, and they would submit it online on Twitter. So you put the whole game together with social media. Yeah, it was more a, a telling of. A telling of the game from the perspective of fans. Wow! From inside the stadium, outside the stadium, people at home—you know, super fans of those schools, sure. alumni, the rivalries. That's crazy. And then you, you. So did was it officially a one hundred thousand? I don't know the exact was, number of yeah, okay. cameras. It I was just curious if there 100, was a hundred thousand and one. Let's yeah. just say it's a lot. It's yeah. a lot. It's yeah. A lot. Uh, we did it again this year uh, for the MLB All Star Game. Oh so. wow. That was really fun. That's cool. that's a lot. You know, I I have to say, um, from a from a documentation standpoint, documentaries and all the stuff that you're doing, that is a it's a lot of work. Oh yeah, that is I a mean, lot of time spent. And I'm assuming with this project, and you can correct us or correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm assuming because of the style of this specific project, you're bringing in a lot of people to watch footage. Correct? And do you give do you give them? Um, these are whether story editors, basically. Is that what they have to do? And are they, are they looking for something specific, or are they supposed to bring stuff to you that you guys have to sort through after it's, that? It's a mix of everything. And you know, to be perfectly honest, NASCAR Productions, who makes the show, I mean, they're the third party um, provider for this content. They're the ones doing. They go through all that the stuff. Heavy lifting. Yeah, absolutely. But is that what I mean? Are you are you, are you kind of familiar with what the process is? Of oh what yeah, they there's have producers watching stuff, people flagging it. But a lot. It. Do they have to bring in more? It's more than usual oh, for a project it, like that, right? Yeah, hundred percent. Also because it's pretty fast turnaround. It is. So I mean, within weeks, I I, I can't weeks. remember. 
It was. It was. It wow. might have even been within days for that show. It was really fast. Jesus, really. Fast. And is part of it That's because like they want to capture that immediate watching stuff? Yeah. yeah. And I'm assuming is the, the edit bays. You know, yeah. is the ideology of that because they want to capture the moment and keep it fresh, so that it, because it just happened, they feel it, like they'll get more eyeballs on exactly. it, more interest because it happened just recently. That's yeah, right. Because people exactly watched it. the game, so if you put that out, you know, six months later. They're like, what? I, I, yeah, I guess only people that are intrigued by the concept will will straggle and on. That, and other yeah, you people. want you really want to capitalize on the event, right? The event so it's itself, how do you yeah. how do you wow. MLB All Star Game? It, we're still in baseball season, so for us, it didn't have to be like absolutely immediate. I want to say it was like a week and a half later. That's still crazy, but super fast. Just knowing the process of most document documentaries, it's a process, a long process. But oh, again. Yeah. Less but bodies. Also, but also, a documentary usually follows something over the course of, say, months, years, or whatever. It depends. Whereas Each story's the game, different. The game is happening. You're, it's the lead up on the day. It's the yeah. game. It's the after party. It's yeah. that. Like that. It's one day. Done and done, but still a lot of footage, man. Oh, man. Oh, no, no. Don't get a me lot. wrong. And you're going through footage that's like, I mean, and I can only imagine alone. half of it is shit. You know what I mean? Like people sending in like shaky video of them yelling, and it's like, uh, some of that stuff is just unusable. unusable. You know? Yeah, you got, absolutely. You got you to sift through the trash, which is like the real hard part, and then actually probably the easy part, and then whittling down what you have that's worthwhile is probably the harder part. You yeah. know, just like I, I, it's between these two, these are both great, but yeah, we're gonna go with this clip because it tells this part of the story and leads us in this direction or yeah, whatever. And I think at some point too, the ship kind of sails, right? So it's yeah. like. I've chosen this. Keep moving. Yep. Yeah. You can't. You, you can't second yeah. guess that shit because then you're going back, and then it's never going to come out. It'll be ten years before that thing ever comes out. So when you reference uh, the NASCAR productions, at what point do you step in and and your involvement and and in, in, like that as an example that project? How how do you get involved in it? Within are you part of the end game? Um, it, it, at the beginning, at the at the absolute beginning. So NASCAR had done it on the Daytona 500 the previous year. Oh, okay. Nice. Um, and uh, I, I'm not sure exactly who it might have been. My boss who who initially had the idea, like, hey, let's port this idea into the space of college football because rabid fan base. You know, people yeah. are really involved. Just seemed like a natural fit. And college kids and social media and like that. That's like a it's like a smart play. Right? Yeah. Like, oh, okay, this seems like the right thing to do. Um, and so, uh, so yeah, I mean, it's really from the beginning and then tasking them with that, but, you know, because of our relationships as Fox sports with the schools and conferences and all these things, like it's a huge internal sort of mechanism and getting approvals from the schools and we're, you know, it's like, like a huge orchestra and everybody's playing a piece to, right. to get it there. Somebody's like orchestrating it all to make sure that people are communicating. It's a giant team. Yeah, absolutely. And the college football thing to me makes even more sense because when I think about NASCAR, I think of like probably seventy percent of the fans having flip phones with no cameras. Hi, oh, there you yeah. <laughs> But um, they're great storytellers in NASCAR productions. Yeah, they are great storytellers. Yeah, I was wondering how well, they NASCAR got into this, but it makes sense. Well, NASCAR is essentially a soap opera it. all all season. You know what I mean? They have to be on the on their game. Uh, I love NASCAR, but um, I could never. I never got. A, I I went and saw one live race, and I understood the that intensity of it. Watching when people would watch, I never, I never got into watching. I didn't understand the concept of watching racing on I've TV. I've never been to a live race. And oh, I hear you man. Can't, or I hear you can't hear. Right? You need to wear. Yeah, the intensity of the race live is pretty incredible. Oh yeah, man. I mean, they're driving 140, 150 miles an hour. All lost on television. <laughs> right? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I don't know. It's to me, it's not to necessarily me. a loss because you do get a nice. You can get a view of 
of of of cha- of lead changes and and not just lead changes but like changes within the in the pack you know like three four or five true so here's the thing and and this is what this is the difference between me being a fan and not a fan it's like me loving football and watching football differently than a passive person does I'm actually watching strategy I'm right. watching other sure. things and that's the same thing yeah which is like if I was into car racing. That's why I would watch it on yeah. TV because I want to know all that stuff. I'm listening to the guys talk. Right. I'm sure, I, if I'm not mistaken, they dip into, they listen in on the oh, radio. Yeah. They do all yeah. that yeah. stuff. Yeah. So, like, if I was it's, into it, I get it. I'm just saying for me personally, if it's the same thing, I don't watch it's, golf. It's like, so it's, base, like, you know, it's like baseball. There's certain People things who are I just like bored don't. by baseball don't understand the nuances of baseball and they do, doesn't matter to them. So, it's like, and yeah, vice versa bored. with football. Most yeah. people grew up watching football on TV, and they go see it live, and they're like, "I'm never going to do this again." Like yeah, they don't get it. it. Make, yeah, it's built around I do, TV. I do it's not like sport. going to live. When I when I did watch football, I did not like going to games, except I mean, at Soldier Field, Packer Bears. You know, going in my neighbor's RV when I was a little kid, that shit was fun. Yeah. But like trying to follow a game as an adult, me and my brother went to a Chargers Bears preseason game, and I was like, "Nah, I'm never." I watched the whole thing on a jumbotron. I was like, "Eh." You know what's funny now? It's like now I don't mind seeing them live because I've been coaching my kids in football so I have a different perspective well no it's just you're you're training your mind mind differently Mm, so now I can I can snack coaches mind but I (laughs) I can I'm more apt to want to watch it live than I did before do you think you either played it or you you watch it do you think you should be let down on the sidelines to to assistant coach I do come with a headset but no one has yet called me just in case it is a and it is also a blow-up headset it's uh it's 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 so you're gonna have to remove this from your bag. We don't allow these. <laughs> we don't allow this? these in the stadium. It's like a, it's we like have. A uh, we go to my thing. bag. We have one headset. Uh, we have one clipboard. We have. <laughs> we have uh, seventy-five feet of uh, cord. And you have the big. What's flag this for? <laughs> What's what are you gonna use this for? <laughs> Where are we attaching this cord to, sir? We're gonna plug it right in. I'm gonna get right on the PL. Uh, no, you're <laughs> we not. We have one Microsoft Surface. Pentium Intel processor <laughs> inside. Um, so you won that Emmy, and then did you did your life change dramatically? I mean, are you driving around in Lamborghinis? Are you? Oh, well, I don't that. drive myself anymore. Oh. I just let other people drive. Uber. Yeah, in I fact, do. I'm going to need a ride after this. So <laughs> he doesn't do Uber. He just asks for rides. For rides. <laughs> 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 just like he doesn't spend his own money. That he was also the, doesn't drive himself. That was the original Uber. If you want yeah. Carl to come, <laughs> man, you want to take me home tonight, dude? Seriously, you're, like the, uh, oh, the, I'll give on. you five bucks for gas. Honestly, <laughs> Uber has. Probably remove that concept. Remember the people that, that you're like, hey, can you take me home? And you're like, always you need to fucking live. But now those same people will be like, hey, can you take me home? And someone else has to go, I'll call you a lift. Yeah, right. that's what I'm saying. For you. you can it's go on my, on my bill. Like, it's taking that part of, you know, especially if you're tired and you got to the roundabout where it adds another 25 minutes to your drive. And they're like, thanks, man. Thanks a lot. And you're just like, no, thank you, dick. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, tell, I'll tell you how my life really changed afterwards. People started liking that picture on Facebook a lot more, so I got ah, a lot of likes on Facebook. There you go. Where usually I get like 15, 20. You got a hundred. It went up. It went yeah. up for, for that. I'm off. Yeah. yeah. I got out. Uh-huh. I'm done. I was addicted to the likes. I'm out. I don't care anymore. Great. Yeah, you I don't mean, like I don't, to dance? Great. No, but I, you know, <laughs> I don't. Tonight but, on Brian's A Lot of Fun. But I will tell you what's, what I find interesting is because I'm out, the, everything surprises me now. So people are like, hey, you heard what happened? So I'm like, no. No, what, what happened? And then they tell me, I'm like, what? Like, I, I actually kind of like that. Or like somebody said, and it's a little bit morbid, but like sometimes you're detached. Like there are, you know, well, you know about so-and-so dying. I'm like, no. I'm like, no. I, what, when? 
And then like a couple weeks ago, I'm like, what? Yeah. Like if that, that's the only downside to it is we've kind of gotten to that point where like that's where you get that type of information oh, very quickly. No one's picking up the phones or texting anymore unless it's like a direct. Because you don't, thing. you assume Actually, everyone yeah. already knows. Like I was just yeah. in Colorado last weekend. I hung out with two very, very good friends of mine that I've known since one of them since kindergarten, one of them since I was in sixth grade, and uh, and they didn't know about a couple of deaths that of uh, people our age that had happened because they're not on. They have families. They live in Colorado. Yeah, yeah. They don't give a shit. They're not on social media. Um, but yeah, it was kind of like I, I had to tell them like what the circumstances surrounding some of that stuff was, and it was just like, yeah, you know. But they're hearing it like almost a year later. You yeah, know. that's too long. I mean, at least I'm I'm st- I'm staying within the realm, and and going back to taking the morbid part of it. But I do I have kind of enjoyed not knowing because I'm distracted by new things that have nothing to do with scroll, scroll, right, right, right. scroll, check it for sucks, likes. It sucks scroll. up all your time. I mean, it's a time suck, and most of it is not interesting. Right? None of it, and more and the, more and crap. more of it is becoming manipulative. So that's why I started moving away from that because it it does pick up on what you stop on what you may or may not click on, and then what ends up happening, and I'm, I'm fine with all of this, by the way. I'm, I understand what it does. They tell you flat out, this is what we're going to do, and you either opt in or you opt out. But the problem is sometimes if you, if you click on something unknowingly, look at something, and it may be something that bums you out a little bit, and you're kind of like, that bummed me out, I don't want to do that again. But that, it picks up on that, sadly, oh, yeah. and then it will funnel more of that through to you. So then it's almost like you have to consciously <laughs> go through and start going after stuff that's more positive if you want to change your feed, right? And I was just like, I ain't got this kind of time in my life, man. I don't. Like, I'm just going to go live it. I'll probably, you know, dabble back and forth, but I've been okay with it. I don't, listen, no one's really paying attention to me anyway, so it wasn't like the end of the world. You know? I hate the expectations of social media where you are expected to know certain things. It's not necessarily about a death, but it's like, so something happens to so-and-so, I'm now expected to know this because of social media. So then that human interaction is gone. Yeah, of someone is, calling you like, and telling you or running into you and telling you. But then they're like, ha- like, haven't you heard? Like, no. Oh, you haven't? It's sort of like this weird yeah. weight, you know, this weighted thing. Like, You've been living in a cave? What's me? your deal? Yeah, why just talk to me and like, have a conversation about it? I don't know if you guys have found this, this part of, it's okay. That's just Burl Lives. Um, yeah, Burl don't. Everyone loves knocking down Burl Lives. Everybody's not. Burl Why are you knocking Lives. down Burl Lives, baby? Hey, look at Burl Lives. If you want to see a survivor in an industry that should never have accepted somebody, it's Burl Lives. <laughs> it's right? Captain Lou Albano's dad, <laughs> Burl Lives. <laughs> For those of you who have this no ukulele. I know. For those of you who don't have any idea what we're talking about, just bu- Google Burl Ives, and you'll be like, oh my God, that guy had a career. Bur- Gr- that's Google amazing. Burl Ives on the beach at Waikiki, and that's what we're looking at, <laughs> that album, album cover. cover. <laughs> and if you look, he's got gigantic gherkin pickle fingers playing on a ukulele, <laughs> and he does look like Captain Lou Albano's you know, LSD-laced dad. <laughs> he... he- he looks like he might have been drunk in this picture. He's on the beach uh, of Waikiki, bro. You're going to get a little bit plowed. There was probably a point in his life where he's like, he could not stop celebrating the fact that he has he has succeeded he's in like, this industry. Hey, you idiots. <laughs> you let me have a record deal. This I'm Burl Ives. He record deal. He was on TV. He was in movies. He was Isn't in everything. This guy, yes. Yeah, but I was going to say what? Not Frosty. He's Ru- the... Um, Rudolph. In Rudolph, Rudolph, he's the... Chris Kringle. No, yeah, he's the, the talking Santa. snowman. Right. That's what, um, yeah, that's the confusion. Yeah. Uh, isn't he on in uh, How the Grinch Stole Christmas, too? I don't know. Burl Ives, didn't he do the... Uh, the original? He wasn't the narrator. The narrator sounded more like uh, the, the, the guy, guy who that did played Tony... Frankenstein. No, he's the guy who did Tony the Tiger. Oh, okay. What's his name? He was the narrator. I don't know. 
Crispy Kringies. I don't know what some it is. Great, some great voices okay. back back in the day yeah. of, our, of our youth. But you know what? The video game, or not video games. <laughs> the video game. Burl Ives video game. No, the Very game show. Seller. The game, you know, e-sport. obviously when we were e-sport. growing up, <laughs> all of all of basically from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. was filled up with soap operas and game shows. And that's where all the old actors and performers went was to all those game shows. Oh, they, yeah. they ran the game show circuit and yeah. the talk show circuit. Yeah. Like that's how they made their living. So it's like, when I was a kid, I don't know who the hell that guy was. I just saw him show up on stuff, and I was like, "All right, I guess this guy's yeah. good at what he does." They guess they... he's going to be the middle square on Hollywood yeah, Square. Exactly, you know. Sure, whatever. No, that, that was oh, wasn't that James J. Bullock? No, who's yeah. middle? Uh, James J. Bullock would have been even later, but like, I mean, there were there was a whole other group. Like when Richard Dawson was still doing stuff, like right with Family Feud, kissing yeah, everybody. Well, Richard Dawson, but Richard Dawson came from like different Hollywood Hogan squares. But uh, he came from Hogan's Heroes. But if you didn't watch Hogan's Heroes, you'd right. have been like, "Who's this old?" Guy smoking yeah. cigarettes in, yes. in, this, in this square, dude. I love that too. Who they clearly drank before they before they sa- they before they were rolling. Clearly. Was drinking in the green room. It was in his rider, I'm sure. Like bottle of scotch. Yeah, I'm sure. When you're going out to this thing and sit in a box for a couple hours, yeah. doing nothing. Like, like, what are you doing? Like, who cares if I'm plowed? What does yeah. it matter? Basically <laughs> reciting like zingers that are supposed to come off like they were like off the cuff. You know, right? That's but that's true. That, that a lot of those uh, guys, and you're seeing. I don't mean that. I'm not saying these people are washed up or not. Or older, it's not even washed up. It's yeah. just like again, a second career. What, yes. What's left? And a lot, of, but that's starting to happen again. Like more, more of these kind of weird game shows are coming out, and I guess it's like people are kind of not getting revived. I can't think of specific examples, but like the love connection. I feel like stuff is coming yeah. back, and like we're getting more like people doing like guys who've been out of the spotlight a little bit are, are now popping up and stuff that's like surreal house or whatever you know and then like and then like weird game shows and stuff so so massachusetts i was gonna say something about facebook but i forgot and it's not even relevant we don't need to like spend too much time soaking up on facebook so but um so massachusetts what were you doing out there are you a big family guy or are you um uh, you come from a small family i'm an only child you're an only child only All child right. so small, small family guy small family but so i say i'm from beverly for the first six years of my life lived in Roslindale which is next to West Ro- or Roxbury in uh, in Boston. It's a neighborhood of Boston. Okay. Um, Dorchester. It's like sort of in, in an area that maybe isn't the best at, at the time when I was growing up there. Like our house got broken into three times. Wasn't Southie though, was it? Wasn't Southie. Okay. Where's Weymouth? Because that's where the Cordry brothers are from. They always talk about Weymouth. So They're South Shore. That's South Shore. And is, I'm North Is that far, t- pretty far from the city? Are they more of a suburban type of lifestyle? Yeah. I'm not too familiar with South Shore. Being being a North Shore guy, I think we kind of separate ourselves. So how far, but when you say that South Shore, how far apart, like literally like hours or miles? Or, it can, like, I mean, how it far can be, it's like, so Beverly's a half hour north of Boston. Okay. Weymouth probably is half an hour south. People from Weymouth could probably tell you better, but... Uh, okay, so you're, you're you're living two different worlds, basically. Yeah, it's that's, different. It's hour, that's far enough away, two different lifestyles. Yeah, and we, there no no real interaction. Where's no the Manchester by the sea types of people? Literally next to Beverly. Okay. I could have walked to Manchester by the sea and in fact did when I was a kid from where I lived. Okay. In, in Beverly. Okay. So um, So that's kind of your world. Yeah. I mean Ish. I, my so my parents move us after our house gets broken into three times in Boston. Moved to Beverly. By townies? It, who knows who broke it was just finally like the straw break, broke the camel's back. My mom's like, we gotta get out of here. My my father's sister, so my aunt with my grandmother and her son, who's an only child, are all living in this house in Beverly. 
So we now move in. So it comes from a very, I'm from a very small family, but now I'm in this unit Big of family. Like my aunt, my cousin, who's like my brother. Is right. that is that a typical thing out in that? Like families living with each other thing? No. Or they just happen this to be just with you? happened okay. to be this scenario, helped with rent. Like we all could just kind of help each other out. Um, my grandmother was pretty old. She died within a couple of years of us moving up there. But we all just kind of, as a family, like pitched in and sort of like a European style. How old were you at the time? Uh, six that? when we six, moved okay. when right. we moved up to Beverly. Okay. So I mean, I started first grade okay. in Beverly, and then that was I mean, so I most of high it. School okay, there. Yeah, yeah, okay. That was, I mean, that's where I grew up. That's where all my friends. Are you were a ruffian there? Definitely is it, not. Is it that was not a ruffian uh, type of uh, no. uh, high school type of vibe? I mean, listen, I I got picked on when I was a kid. I got bullied pretty severely. Um, so for uh, I mean, for I mean, I was fat. I was a fat kid. Oh, okay. I weighed two hundred and forty pounds when I was fourteen years old. Like, I was really... To put that fat. in perspective, I'm 6'5", and I weigh 235 pounds. Yeah. I, I, and you could see a picture of me and, and see... I mean, like, I, I had a serious problem. Yeah. Um, and I would get picked on. I mean, I didn't have confidence. There was a lot of stuff going on. Um, and so I, I pretty much stayed home and watched TV. I didn't want to get bullied, so I wouldn't really go out. I had, you know, some of my close friends in the neighborhood, but I'd mostly want to stay home and watch TV. But I... I learned by watching TV, I've become now a TV professional, right? But I can watch stuff and I have sort of this intrinsic innate knowledge that I'm like, hey, that seems a little long to me. Like I, I feel like the tempos of things like <laughs> really got into my brain and I can yeah. now identify like, oh, that feels weird because I haven't seen anything that was like that. Before. Right. And not that it's formulaic, but like you picked up on the formulas that were being used and what was working and sometimes what didn't and like definitely not intentionally not yeah, when I was no, a, it was no, just no like you weren't happy, like I'm right? gonna be a TV executive yeah. you were like <laughs> you were just like I love TV and you're like it starts to like with anything you love you start to kind of become an expert in it in your own right yeah. like you can't it's like baseball cards man like back in the day I could have told you a whole shit ton about baseball cards because that's what I loved like I could talk music all day you know what i mean like the stuff that you really get into you sort of i mean and this is what i the at least on the creative side people sort of become nerds about like i become a nerd about music i become a nerd about a lot of tv and you just really like and i say that meaning like the kind of like the stereotypical nerd who's really great at math uh you know from the 50s or whatever like that's still like everyone's got to be a nerd about something otherwise you're a real dull boring human being you know what i mean you got to kind of nerd the out stuff you love you find the stuff yes. you love and you enjoy and you gravitate yeah. towards it exactly you know? yeah. um so. i want to i want to break down uh, that whole story in a, in a couple different directions one um you go home you decide to which is, is shitty that you had to go through all that stuff but the fact that you did do that what were the shows that you looked that that you look back on to this day that you just remember like you just gravitated toward dude, like they 18, these were your shows, yeah, dude? Eighteen, eighteen is why I quit Cub Scout or Boy Scouts because I was starting to miss too many episodes. And now is this is this so eighteen? Were you watching it at night or was this like a syndication? Oh yeah, no, at, at night. Okay, they, listen, my family would go to yard sales. Okay, there's like these yard sales where people would sell off like these little TVs. I mean, I rem remember very clear, like, going to these this church fair that just, like, had a ton of TVs. 50 quasars? Yeah, it was just, like, these TVs, because, like, quasars. it was, like, a lot. there were a lot of wealthy people in this area, and they were getting rid of their old stuff, putting in the new stuff. Um, so, in fact, the church where John Updike used to go. My oh, dad wow. would be like, I would go talk to my old friend John Updike. <laughs> and he'd go and, like, have a conversation with John Updike. Really? This church... It's like yard sale, essentially. This is the, the fair. Wow. And we go and you buy all this stuff, and my family's pack rats. We just get all this stuff. But I got a TV, and from a very early age, I just had a TV in my room. 
my mom would be like, go to your room. I'm like, okay. And I'd go and turn on the TV. <laughs> you know, it's no punishment there. That's, you know, it was, uh, it was the place where I could go and I would just want to go out. I think yeah. they would try to get me to go outside, but I'm like, nah, I want to watch TV. What was your after school show? Your favorite after school show? Um, I watched all those like after school ABC specials. after school specials. God, do you um, remember the, 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 sorry, I just, I remember some of those so vividly. Which is, it's like that's a punky Brewster, right? It's like yep. when Sherry gets stuck in the refrigerator and like these life lessons. These different strokes. Different strokes. With I mean, it was like that block. Arthur Carlson from WKRP molesting him and Dudley behind the bike shop. Oh, the with very, the bike the shop. That's right. With the gum. Episode. They had to chew the gum and then yeah. the wine. And then they had to watch a, vi- a, a cartoon. Why isn't that mouse wearing any pants? Don't worry about it. I, but like those, and do you remember? Then there was a crossover between Different Strokes and A Team, where Mr. T showed Came up. up and yeah, he was in like the car. Were they both ABC? Is that why? They or was they just like because because Arnold because Arnold dressed like Mr. T? He had a mohawk and he had the yeah. feathers. Like there must have been about? some crossover. Yeah, I, yeah. I, th- I thought it was A Team. Maybe like now I'm remembering him and Kit for some reason, but I could be conflating Kit uh, Knight Rider. Knight Rider, but I don't. I could just be conflating. Like, I don't know what car was he stuck in a van? Like where was Arnold on the set of? A-Team, when Mr. T oh, comes in and saves him. He must have been in the van. It must have been A-Team, A-team right? Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, those are the iconic shows that as a, as a kid. It's just like, I remember. And then, like, the cartoons, like DuckTales and, you know, all that. I just remember it was like, just I had my order of, of stuff that I would watch. That you enjoyed. Yeah. Yeah, for those of you who don't understand, uh, there was a time where you couldn't just a la carte things. You actually, if you wanted to watch it... You had to be there at that moment to watch it. So it and was really wait, and wait through either a show you loved also or you didn't. And you're like, oh my god, that's funny you bring that up. Over in in my life, there were so many shows that I watched just to get to the other show. Yeah, which is funny through. that you would put yourself. But you you watched it because there was, there was nothing, nothing else, else really you could do. on. No, yeah. there was no other options yeah. on the two or three other channels that you had yeah. to yeah. choose from. Yeah, yeah, that it's so funny that that's so true that there was all those those, those the last fifteen minutes of some piece of garbage. You're like, ugh, enough already. Or, Let's go. Or the idea of running home from school, hurrying home from school to make sure that you get there in time. In because time, you, yeah. Because if you miss five minutes, you're like, I don't, I, I don't know what the fuck's going on now. Now I don't know what's going on. I, I've missed. Yeah, dude. Well, I just, I there was something that's always been like, you want to see the beginning. Like you need, like I, I would come home from morning kindergarten pretty quick because I live right across the street and I could get home in time and the monkeys were starting up. You know what I mean? It was like the monkeys, Specter Man, Banana Splits and a couple monkeys, other things. Yeah. And I always wanted to catch the theme song. I wanted to catch the song, you know? And they had a little cold open and then they did the song and I always wanted to like, of course I didn't call it a cold open back right. then. <laughs> you, <laughs> you didn't know yet. No. You were learning. You were to be a TV professional. <laughs> so I was so my second follow up, which is interesting because you're talking about the, the, the bullying thing. So you actually didn't you look. You look back on that. It seems to be, even though it it was a cause and effect. It seems like, in some respects, from from your personal narrative, that you're not looking back on it solely. Like, a team reminds me of the bad days. A team reminds me of I only was watching that. Oh. I was only staying home because I you know because I was being bullied. I know so it's for interesting a fact how now you... it was an escape. Like I look back now, you know, after years of therapy, and be like, oh yeah, I've unpacked all. This okay, stuff. so like, you did you did work through it. Okay, for, sh- for sure. Like okay. that's one of those things that like at the time I was just like I was trying to protect myself. I didn't want to do it. Like I would get atomic wedgies. Like this neighborhood kid would pick me up by my underwear and fly me around like this park right across the street. And everyone was laughing, right? And it's like, that's horrible. Yeah, like, it's a that horrible sucks. experience. I think we've talked about this on the show before, too. If You have to also remember, culturally, that shit was in movies. Like, it was like, and we would all go, ah, ha, ha, ha. And it's just like, so when you look back on it, you're like, not only were we not saying, 
you shouldn't do that. We were celebrating it Actively. in TV Absolutely. and in film as a form of comedy. Well, it, right? was, it was tackled, the subject matter was tackled in the uh, mid-80s by Revenge of the Nerds. Right, but you, but you know what I'm saying. Like there, yeah. but it's, there was a lot of these things that we're starting to learn now. Like it was, it was in our like, hey, we shouldn't do that. It's not nice. It's have, not a good idea. Have you guys seen the Mr. Rogers documentary yet? Not no, yet. I want to see it. Is it great? I highly recommend it. Okay. but that's sort of like an impetus for him. You know, and this isn't spoiling anything, but he like sees people getting pies in the face and everyone laughing, and it's like, yeah. wait a minute, yeah. like, but but so the, yeah. those things are presented, and the thing is those. Those things can be funny. Yeah. Right? But I think Thank the, you. the difference... Because I, I do it at school. Well, but the difference becomes, <laughs> I think... Or, wait, are you getting a pie in the face or are you throwing the pies? No, I'm, the... I'm taking pies in the face to raise money at the school and the kids love it. And there was one, I will say, and I'll let you get back to your story, there was one parent that pulled their kid out of school because they said it was rude. And I... And I, I, I didn't see it that way. I saw it as vaudeville because you're, slapstick. Because you're a willing participant. That's the, that's the, the difference. The difference is you're a willing the participant. Okay. And I think as long as it's not at your expense, right? At yeah, somebody's expense You're raising expense money that that for something for kids. is like you're there. You know exactly what's happening. You're not walking in in a tuxedo going, I was told I was going to be teaching ballroom dancing and then three kids with eyes <laughs> at you. And you're like, what the fuck is that? And yeah. then they're just laughing at you while you run away crying, you know? Yeah, I, I mean, did. But when I heard about that, about the Mr. Rogers thing, I felt so horrible. Because I'm, I, I love Mr. Rogers, and I was like, oh great! So his whole career is based on something that I'm doing. No, that, no, that is an, it's literally because of you. He's traveling <laughs> in the future. He's seen this, and he's like, wait a minute, Fred Rogers, time back. traveler. No, but my thought was like, oh, he would hate me. Like that's uh, my initial Dude, thing was Mr. like, oh, Rogers he would, he doesn't would. fucking hate anybody. I know, I know. It's all about love. Come and on, right, man. I know. But yeah, so it's interesting. So you had to not interesting. It's actually still horrible. It's uh, um, there's there's two things. That um, I, I wonder, um, without getting too deep into it, you, you said that you did have friends, and I'm always, I'm always interested in the dynamic of like when someone goes through a process where the majority of the kids are picking on them, and then these other kids that just like they're like, no, fuck that shit, man. We're we we're gonna be buddies together. We, and, we and would it, get picked on together. It, That's is what is that what would bring you guys together, or not necessarily? Some kids were just like they got it early in life. That's like I don't care. I don't care. I, I just like you. It's it, that's because that's what I'm always interested in the, in kids. My first and how they day, develop. First day of first grade, I have to get on the school bus. Okay, and it's first time in the school. First time with all these kids, and I'll never forget my friend Dave. First time I've ever ever met him. There's a seat open on the bus. I don't think anybody else would really let me sit because a new kid or didn't know him or I didn't feel comfortable. But he actively reached out and said, "Hey, why don't you sit next to me?" and both of us, you know, we're, we're kind of outcasts, we both, but we, we found each other. Um, and it, we lived very close to one another. I think when you're, when you're a kid, it's about vicinity, it's right? It's proximity, right. yeah, yeah. yeah. You're, Who you're lives close? close. And, yeah. Um, so, and that's just who you're, you're friends with. It just so happened, you know, being on the bus that day, he opened himself up and just literally been friends since that day. The simplest, literally the simplest gesture can make an entire universe of difference. Like, yeah. Just sit, telling, asking someone to sit down, or like you know, having lunch with somebody, or and I and I mean that that spans into adulthood. Like everyone thinks, you know, you get into adulthood, you got your shit together, you always know what's going on, you're always confident, you always got this bullshit. Like wherever you go, you start a new job, you start a new show, you start anywhere. Like even when you're, you, it's great. You get a part, you're fucking pumped to be. You're, you want to act on some TV show, you get there, and then all of a sudden you're like, oh my god, they all know each other, they're all friends. I'm a total fucking outcast. And all it takes is one person to go, hey man, we're over here. Come yeah. on over. Like oh. welcome, welcome to the club. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And like that's why like I always when I work on anything, even if it's like a non-paid fucking friends shoot, 
I like if it's some guy I've never seen before, or some girl working there I've never seen before, I will go over and introduce myself and be like, "Hey, oh, I just didn't know if you'd been on this before. Wanted to say how you doing. This is who I am." You know, I, I you, the idea that like that people would feel, uh, you know, outcasted or or not welcome somewhere. It, it, I don't. There's not time for that shit anymore. It's like people shouldn't have to feel that way. And and and. And, and while they're supposed to be working together, that's the idea yeah, behind those. That's those exactly things. right. And you're and you are like and don't get me wrong. This took me a, a long time to figure out. And I don't mean like, like you know, it, like you know, we had our first meeting wasn't wasn't pretty. And like I was like at a Your, place. Yours and mine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was at a place where I was like, why? Who the fuck are they? Why should I have to work with them? Like we were already doing this. And then really, it's like you're all trying to do the same thing. You're all trying to put out a TV show that maybe some people want to watch. And, and like, you, you, you won an Emmy for something that was, like, worthwhile. Now take everything you've ever worked on. There's so much shit you've worked on that's garbage, and you know it's garbage, but you are all working to get that thing put on and shown and find an audience, and you're, you're all, you, all have the, you should all have the same goal. It's just to make TV. Yeah, and that's something that's what you just touched on for having won an Emmy for this particular program, I didn't work any harder on that show than I've worked on anything else, whether it is crap or not. Right, and, but, that's, but that's how you get to where you're winning an Emmy. You work hard at everything you do, no matter if it's, you know, Steve meets rocks, and it's just about a guy meeting rocks. <laughs> I love or, that show. Or if it's like <laughs> watch that a, as a, kid. a really <laughs> worthwhile show that other people are going to want to watch, you know? It's like Steve. You ever see Steve on the street, by the way? Like just, that guy, he, he's not very nice. He's not nice, <laughs> but he does love rocks. Loves rocks. I don't know what. And to be clear, we're not talking about Steve is. from Blue's Clues, and that's only for, you don't, you have any kids? I do. I have one. Just okay. started kindergarten. All right. Did, fact, you, do, I just had did kid- you go through Blue's Clues or no? Not yet. Okay. I mean, I may, maybe that he, I think, watched a little bit. Okay. But talking about being first day experience, last night was our first uh, back to school night as yeah. kindergarten parents, and we're all new, right? So yeah. I, I definitely felt that. Like. So there you go. You go in, like, yeah, you're, you, you have a kid in school. You go there, and, like, you know, you got the mean moms, and you got the fucking asshole dads, and you're like, what are you doing? Like, why are you being this way? There's no need for any of that, you know? That's where I come Posturing. In. That's where I come with the pies. Yeah, and then there's, the, yeah. I mean, I might but, learn from something from But you. again, that's self, well, like, you uh, volunteered for that. You know, you knew it would be the kind of humor that was okay for what you were doing. Well, well no, also, I do, um, obviously, having done stand-up, I do, um, I want to get back to you because I don't want to turn this into me, but, like, I do stand-up. So Nobody I, I act, But I figured out very early on because I remember my first day with my first son um, going to uh, uh, kindergarten and feeling way out of place and very intimidated. And, you know, people have been there for a couple of years. They're very comfortable in their zone. And they're not intentionally ignoring you or anything like that. They're just kind of doing their thing, right? Like that's right. parenting, doing your thing, right? So I picked up on that. And then as the years went by, I became more and more of a public figure at the school. And I tried to, I tried to remind people that you're new. Don't worry about it. We were all new. We yeah. were scared. And I bring that up every year at the beginning of the year and try to encourage people by simple things also like, how about when we all show up on campus, we just say hi to each other. We're not looking for a conversation. Yeah, you don't got to come over just and say good my morning. butthole. But like, it all starts yeah. with a hello. It all starts with a smile. It doesn't have to turn into anything else, right? And like it's a, it's a, it's a hard thing. But I do think that... Um, the unfortunate stuff that you went through with your life, I think that our generation is finally starting to come to terms with the mistakes that we've made. Not all of us, but many of us have, because I see that as raising children now. Kids, especially through the, pub, the through the not just the public schools, but through the school system and through, I think, better parenting, are like, why would anybody ever make fun of someone that's overweight? Like, the kids are starting to look at that like, why would you do that? Yeah. 
And when you see kids, kids are smarter than that are credit little for. kids that are. Well, but my, my point is, yeah. I don't think that credit was given a long time ago. It no. was more free. It was more free range. And we were right? also talked. I felt like talked down to as kids. Yeah, we weren't given like freedom and respect. It was just you weren't sort of talked like, to like you're an a adult. child. You do what you're yeah. told. Yeah. I mean, I'm not saying that's what my parents were up, but I'm just saying like sort of the... In general. The, yeah, exactly. There is... Yeah. Do as what I, I say, not as I do. What I've come to find in my own personal experience is that there is, there is enough space to empower children on a certain level. You can't fully empower them. There has to be levels, Right. But you can you give them a little bit of you empower them a little bit you'd be surprised what you get out of them that's the whole that's the 100%. whole point right yeah 100%. that's all so um well I, I wanted to oh, go oh ahead. So, no so I was gonna say to you was that going back to what you guys are talking about one of one of the things in the eighteen years that I've been out here and in, involved in production and I know this is not just only solely related to production but we'll talk about it because that's the world that we're in that's a big I've, part of my life I've <laughs> never understood the tolerance of assholes. That are bosses. And it's because, like, but they're just so creative. It's just like it's part of that. Pro- and I don't know why this business gives a pass. Because I've, I've worked with some producers and some directors and some cinematographers that are straight up just jerks. I don't care what product you, your final product is. I mean, they are demeaning to human beings. And they continue to work. And I don't know where you're, wh- how your perspective in that world, if you've ever seen that and how that's dealt with. For sure I've seen it. You know, I've, I sort of have this theory um, that there are two, kind of, two kinds of people in this business. People have worked with screamers and have decided, ah, that's the way to get things done. I'm going to be that way. And, you know, it feeds into whatever else personality-wise going on with that person. Or uh, I've worked with that person. I never want to be ever that be that kind of person and, and go the ex- exact opposite way. Um, I think that's more my style. Like, I don't... I'm not a screamer. I don't work with screamers. I, I try and surround myself with people that are kind and respectful and, and do good work. You know, you, you can do good work and, and be yeah. nice and respectful. You don't have to be and, a screamer. And also, when you break it down at the end or of the day, asshole, you know? you're just making TV. <laughs> do you know what I mean? And I don't mean, I'm not belittling any of that. I'm just saying, like, in the scheme of the world's issues, why are you screaming at somebody because a cereal bowl doesn't, isn't the same size as the last cereal bowl that was purchased? Like, what are you doing? Like, there's no need for yelling, running around, or being an asshole. Those people, those particular people are probably pretty scared, is my guess. Yes. That they're afraid always, they're not going to get their next job. I always and so feel that. They're, they're terrified. Just feed, yeah, they're just feeding into that, right? And it just, like, gets them worked up. I mean, I've worked with those people, and it's like, I talk to them like real human beings. I had a conversation once with somebody where I had to have a real conversation about money, right? Not a lot of people do it, but a lot of my job has to do with that. And I'm like, hey, this venue's going to cost X amount of dollars. It was like the House of Blues on Sunset. Um, and the guy I was dealing with, and we had to split the costs, he went off. I mean, he started screaming profanities at me, just screaming at me on the phone. Completely unwarranted. There was no reason for yeah, it. Yeah, you just told him the facts. I was telling him facts. This is the reaction. And he, apparently he had, he had worked with other really big names. He felt like this was the way he, things needed to get done. But I am not tolerant of that. And I said... I'm just going to hang up the phone unless you talk to me respectfully. And this, this guy was one of the EPs. Like, I, I felt when this call ended, when I ended, I literally just hung up on the guy that potentially the show could go away. But I wasn't willing to stand up for that. Look, or I would go away, right? One, one or the other. One of the two, One yeah. of the two things. Um, I went into one of the other producers' offices. I said, listen, this is just what happened. Just know that, you know, if you hear about it, like, like I'm just not putting up with that. And he's like, good for you. Um, five minutes later, my phone rings. It was that same guy. He apologized profusely. Never had an issue with him ever again. Yeah. Never. Yeah. And I mean, you know, I, I worked, and I'll say, I worked with some, some dickheads, and then 
maybe that is how I was producing for a time being, you know? And then um, slowly over the course of putting my own foot in my mouth and like kind of destroying um, sort of some job opportunities with shitty attitude, uh, I was able to kind of, and, and also just reevaluate my life and who I, who I really wanted to be in, in the sense that like, you, you see yourself, and that's a, a lot of it, the anger is because a lot of people move out to LA to be actors. And a lot of us end up in production and not ever acting. And that bothers, I think deep down, bothers some people. Like, oh, I wanted to be the talent, you know, and now I have to, I'm the producer. But like, a lot of people figure out like, you know what, I'm actually really good at this producing thing. This is a lot of fun. It's still making TV. It's still being involved. No, I'm not in front of the camera, but, so it's like, you, you, just, you just decide who you want to be. Do you want to be some asshole who's mad at the way their life turned out? Or do you want to be... Like, the situation is always going to be what the situation is. It's how you react to that situation that, that, that sort, of, sort of tells you who you are. Yeah. You know, so there's, there's a learning curve. It takes a while, and you're right. If you work with, if you work with people where the, the, it's shit at the top, that shit, I mean, it runs downhill, and it, it affects everybody all the way down to the guy getting the coffee. You know, it really does. But when you work for somebody who's fucking nice and respectful and compliments you and, and wants you there and wants your help and opinions and every best idea wins mentality, that's another thing. Is like, if you have that mentality, like just because you're in charge, someone comes with an idea and that idea looks to be a fix for whatever's going on, accept that idea. Yeah. Give that person credit and go for it. Like, otherwise, you're just like people who are like, no, no, you're, what, what, what are you? You're a production coordinator? I don't give a shit. Like, that production coordinator might have the best idea the show's ever known. And you're going to, what? Like, some of the funniest bits we've ever had on Punk have come from our location manager. Like, you, you can't... You never know where good ideas are going to come from. Yeah, and you, you have to, and you have to be accepting of them and understand 100%. when you see one. Understand when you see a better idea. And, and I think a lot of that is just, you know, it, it, it trickles from the top. When someone's nice at the top, it comes down, and people, it's, people are nice the whole way down. So that, I think that's a great segue to the 48-hour film project. Perfect. Thank um, you. You know, because that, that's a lot of how I interact with my team. You know, I'm the team leader. I put this team together. Explain the, 40, like, explain the concept behind it. Sure. Yeah. So 48-hour film project is a timed filmmaking competition. You have 48 hours to write, shoot, edit, um, visual effects. I, we do musical scores. We do literally 48 hours to, from conception to completion to make a Two days a to, to, to come up with an idea. To how write long have you been doing this? 14 years. It used to be at LA Center Studios, correct? Um, mm, I don't know if the 48 hour was. There's now a bunch of time there are. filmmaking competitions. I just remember that one. I used to work for LA Center Studios, and I okay. remember them talking about having some film festival that was that was that was based out of LA Center Studios. So maybe it was a different one. It might, yeah. I mean, but now I guess the 48, from what I understand, was the first one out of the gate to do this. Okay. Um, because I mean, I started in 2005, and at that point there was maybe like 30 teams or something competing. That's still a lot to me, and it is a competition. Well, I say that thirty because this year is one hundred and seventy-three. So it's like, it's, it's like because, it's but would you say that's because filmmaking has gotten um, technology is a little the, bit easier. The, ac- the, the access is there. Like you can get, uh, you can shoot the whole thing on your phone if you have to. One hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. I mean, before it was on mini DV. Yeah, and so, you had to have someone that could kind of work a camera and like. 
Yeah, so exactly. what yeah. drives you for 14 years to do this? Because obviously, you know, uh, this is a lot of free time putting putting into these things, right? This, this intensity, right? Well, this is great, a grind. What's great is it's really only a weekend. So for but me, it's a grind, right? 100%. I mean, I, after, after this year's, I was like, I don't know how many more years I can keep it up <laughs> okay. or keep myself up just going straight because I end up staying up all night Friday night. So 7 p.m. Friday night. They'll give you um, a line of dialogue, a prop, and a character that all must be included. This is how. Oh, so all the teams. This is how it's judged. How the competition is judged. Correct. Okay. And how they ensure you've done it in forty-eight hours, right? It's right, like otherwise, yeah. why not? Why do you pre-write? Yeah. I mean, I'm sure oh, yeah, there exactly. are teams that do that. We yeah. do not. We are forty-eight hour purists. Um, so we we get the 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 required elements, and then every team pulls a random genre out of a hat. Now now you pull, pull two genres. You can pick one, but you pull a random genre out of a hat. So this year we pulled. Fantasy or musical, we could choose. We chose fantasy. Um, then you call get, musical would be really hard to do. We we did that in two thousand and nine. Really, it was awesome. Oh wow! We won the Boston Comedy Festival three weeks after we made that film. Literally three weeks after we made it, the, wow. they had a, a film competition and we won it. Um, and but I'm somebody like, has to know how to write music. One hundred percent. Yeah, and my lyrics and yeah happened to like. My my um, friend Christella Christella Alonzo, who you oh, guys yeah. may know, um, she comedian had, had a show on ABC. Yeah, her, yeah. her own her own self titled show, yeah. um, which was which was awesome. But she started on Mind Dementia. Okay, so she and I were working together, and I'm like, oh, this person's really funny. I really like her. Hey, Christella, do you want to do this crazy 48 hour film project? She's like, sure. I don't know what it is, but let's try it. And it, we did this whole run. We went from like 2000. And she came in on the second one, so 2006. Till 2010, I think we were. She she was my sort of writing partner on these. Really, really wow. doing. But she had studied musical theater. So uh, so what have you know? You put these teams together. You don't know what you're doing, right? Yeah, right. So you just kind of pick people. They're like, oh, this person's great. I like what they do. I work well with them. And um, she had done musical theater. So when I pulled mu- musical, I called her. I'm like, we're doing musical. She's like, we're not doing musical. I'm like, we're, we're doing, doing musical. It. When else in our lives are we going to be able to try a musical and? Listen, if we fail, we fail. But at least we will have tried. That, and that's a key chunk of the attitude that must be taken for something like undergoing a 48-hour film. We have to try. If we fail, we fail. Yeah, because otherwise, like, what's the point? I mean, yeah. for me, it, it becomes like a, a creative catharsis in a way, right? When you do this sort of very compressed timeline um, doing it. I knew my composer that year. My, the, I had found um, my friend Iggy. He's a music producer. He... he is he's a Grammy-winning music producer. He's done um, engineering on a bunch of different South American bands, and he's from South America. Um, but he loves doing this stuff, and so I was like, "Hey, Iggy, uh, I know I needed you on Sunday to write the music for this, but do you mind staying up all night Friday night <laughs> and writing this music?" He's like, "Well, I have an ADR session scheduled for 11 a.m. tomorrow, but I think I can fit it in." I'm like, "Perfect." <laughs> we wrote all night, had the the singers come in 8 a.m. the next morning, which is not an ideal opportunity time for singers. Singing, right, yeah. Um, but they, they knocked <laughs> it out of the park, and then we went and shot this musical. <laughs> it was like, ridiculous. It was great. I, I loved it. And it was, was, all, was it all lip sync? Was it all lip sync when they were doing the... All lip synced, but to their own voices, right? Ah. So it's like the singers, I knew my lead actors could also sing. Okay. But it's also, I choose, I choose a pool of talent. Like, I have a lot of people that come back year after year. Um, one, one guy, my friend Michael, has been literally on, in every four, 14 of, of my time filmmaking company. He's been on the team since the beginning. Um, in fact, it was his roommate, who was a college friend of mine, that linked us together, and we just oh, started wow. doing these things. Um, 
So huge shout out to Christina Myers for uh, getting me into the 48-hour film project because now I'm an addict and it, yeah, I can't stop. It sounds like it. Yeah, and I, It's I so much fun. So much fun. And it, so, so you have people that you work with year in and year out that are kind of what I always call grinders. They, they love that, that process of like, let's just do this. Let's just roll our sleeves up and let's whatever it takes and let's have fun with it. 100%. And you know, once Christella, Christella's star sort of took, shot, off, yeah. took off, I mean, she's in Cars 3 now. I mean, like she's, she's um, become a real name. You know, she's she's too busy. So my friend Clay, who's a, an amazing writer, he's was I think was a, a PA on the Jamie Kennedy experiment with me. Crazy small world story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Clay Lapari, Clay. Yeah, Clay Lapari. Lapari. I always Lepari. pronounce it more French. Lepari. than... I always pronounce it more French than it really is. I, guess. I think he's from Louisiana, right? <laughs> I think you can do that. <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, how did you get into all this, by the way? We so Massachusetts. So how do you, how do you go from Massachusetts? Uh, did you go through New York, or did you just end up straight out here? So, I mean, I went via Ithaca College in upstate New York, but I would not call that through New York. Is Ithaca, did you go to Ithaca for, um, when, when your interest, obviously, I know, you know, watching TV and stuff like that, but when did you actually go, I want to try this, be a part of this world? Was it early on? It was life? early on. Yeah, okay. I mean, I remember even at nine years old seeing like news crews, TV news crews, and being just gravitating towards really? them. Really? I don't know what it was. It you was mean like something. live on the streets? You would yeah, see them the and you'd be fascinated with what they were doing. Yeah, and there was Action. a show, Evening Magazine. I don't know if you guys would have ever had that show, but it was like a magazine show that was sort of repurposed regionally. And, yeah, and all yes, these things yeah. with like national features and all this other stuff. Yeah, yeah. So that show was on in Massachusetts, and my mom had signed up for the silent auction. Go spend a day with Evening Magazine, with the ice capades. And it was like, she, she auctioned this thing, and I think she thought I would like it, and I loved it. Yeah. Absolutely liked it. It just, like, was, I was so intrigued by it and interested. I was like, oh, what I watch, there's actually a way to make this? Like, I, didn't, <laughs> I hadn't yeah. connected those two things yet. Oh, interesting. Like, you see something on a TV, but you not understand that there's a pr- process, the process of making that thing happen on no. TV. And that's, I mean, when you talk about media literacy, which is like a big thing now, like, teaching with this whole fake news thing, that's what that's about, right? Yeah. It's like knowing, oh, there's a perspective and point of view, and somebody's doing this. So, but as a kid, like, you don't know that's not just no, like, no. something's being presented. That's yeah. my show. If it's I on like TV, it. Yeah. it must be real. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> now so it's, it's on the internet, it must be real. I started gravitating towards it, and this is right also at the time when like public access TV was coming out, right? The Wayne's World idea of just uh, all these towns. Colin and his sleazy friends well, out to, in L.A. To have a, a cable contract in a city, they were required to provide local programming, right? So it became this mandate in these cities that this had to occur. So the studio existed to make really crappy. Like, we, we, we did our best, but it's like I found out about this thing and I wanted to volunteer and I started volunteering at 12 at this cable access wow. studio. Wow, okay, so you're into it. Yeah, it's just, it was like, oh yeah, this Epidemia. is what I want to do. Yeah. I love this. I felt, I felt like I had found a, a home, like a place where I could do what I wanted to so do. So you were one of those guys that hung out at the cable access place. 100%. I, used to, I remember when I would go you in there. You say that like, like there's the... a gang of people no, no. like that. There are not that when many I, of them. We were a gang. I, we I did. A, I, every, when I was in Milwaukee, I went to them. When I was in Racine, I went to them. Even out here before they kind of went away, I would go out to them, and there would always be a couple dudes. I was like, are they even getting paid? Are they just hanging out? What here? are they doing? I was there? a hangouter. Although then I ended up 12. getting a, a summer job. Like after high school and college, like I would get a summer job working for the studio. But I, I mean, at the age of 13 or 14, I was already directing. Like I was doing live directing for cable access, right? So? 
it was exciting. Like I knew that I really liked it. I really enjoyed it. We had this van, like the cable access van that was like, you could have like three cameras. You could do live switching. I'd go to like these local drum corps shows because I was in marching band and I liked it. Yeah. I would go and I would do these video telecasts of like the local drum corps show <laughs> that would go on. And I loved it. I would do the graphics on the, the video toaster. I mean, like these are all things that... Way back in yeah, that yeah, don't in exist the anymore. You don't know it unless yeah, yeah. They were big knobs it. and big handles. Yeah, it was no. actual videotape. <laughs> I still say videotape, and I'm like, oh man, sure. I'm old. Yeah, so I say that too. Yeah. But like going back to uh, taking it to the to the 48 Film Festival, when you said that that's how you deal with your the crews that you put together when you were talking about like just general attitude because you're the guy who's in charge essentially. Like, uh, like you you put it all together. You're the one who, do you have final say? Are you the guy that everyone has to kind of answer to? One, yeah, as team leader I'm, I'm, and producer and director, I, I'm sort of the arbiter. So you do like, direct like them that. too? Yes, okay, I've wow. directed all of them. Because wow. for me, I wanted to be a director. I came out, I'm like, I want to be a, a film director. And I found out about the 48-hour film project and I would, I would enter it. And then I'd be like, hey, I want to be a film director. And I'd make another film. And then after a few years, I suddenly looked, I'm like, oh, wait, I don't want to just be a director. I actually have been directing. I'm a director. Yeah, I'm like, a director, yeah. It, it sort of, that, that's, it happened very gradually for me. I mean, your reel is 14, 48-hour films deep. It's like, <laughs> that's a hell of a reel. What's it's, the what's the time limit? There's a time limit, I'm assuming, on all these uh, as well. Four to seven minutes. Four to seven minutes. Okay. And then you can get like an extra 60 seconds of credits at the end. But, I mean, there's all these sorts of rules that you have to do, and it's like you have to look through them and know what you, you have can to be, and can't Otherwise, can't you're disqualified, do. and that's no good if everyone works super hard to find out, like, oh, you can't use this. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, because you did. Are something. you reinventing the wheel on purpose every year, or do you have a certain template that you stick to? Reinventing the wheel, I, and, and, I, and is that by choice? It just by by nature, I guess. Because okay. as a as sort of a purist in these competitions, I don't want to start any of the creative process until you know the, the time idea. starts because. You never know what's going to come out of that experience. So, you know, I think there are teams that go in with these templates. They're like, I have a comedy template. I have a drama template. I right. have whatever. Like, they, they've already brainstormed some ideas and try and, like, shoehorn. You can always tell those, those films. Like, oh, they've shoehorned the required elements in they to work something backwards. that doesn't make sense. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. What about from a production standpoint, though? Do you have a production template that you try to stick to because, obviously, you've done it so long? You try to not reinvent that wheel. Yeah, I, I mean, I think it changes every year based on who's available, it does, right? Okay. So um, it, it depends on who the DP is. And here's the thing, like as working professionals, a lot of people don't necessarily want to volunteer their time for a weekend. You know, you have to find those passion. I guess you're calling them grinders, right? Yeah. You have to find those people that truly do it. Because one of the rules of the competition is you can't pay anybody. Yeah. And for me, I always try and do something different or new. Like for a while, um, I would have a jib at a time when people didn't have jibs. Now everybody has a drone. I'm like, well, I don't want to do a jib or a drone. Everybody has that. Right. Try to all, do something I don't different. Want, I want to look different. I want to look, you know, just focus on the story. And, you know, more recently, I've gotten much more sort of message oriented and socially minded. Okay. Um, and being an advocate for um, inclusion and diversity in my films, because for a long time it was just like a bunch of white people like yeah. making stuff, and then yeah. I realized I'm like, oh, well, this doesn't represent, you know, the world. Like, yeah. let's start to yeah. do. And why, why are we doing this rather than just from an entertainment perspective? Like, yeah, the musical was fun. It was called TGIF the musical. It was about the, the Friday in this office looking, you know, to to get out of work. Um, so it's like that's fun, and and I'm not you know poo pooing entertainment for entertainment's sake, but it's like. Hey, is there a way that you can affect people? Is there something more meaningful that you can do? Make to a positive change, or put point to a positive thing, or uh, point to something that needs to be looked at. 
Yeah. The, and yeah. and this year, so our team, you know, we've been competing in the 48 for, um, you know, 14 years with, with a few years taken off here and there. But the Easter Seals Disability Film Challenge, which happened this year, which is another timed filmmaking competition, um, I found out about this thing a, a week and a half before it happened. And the whole purpose is to put people with disabilities in front of or behind the camera. Um, and awesome. Give them opportunities that they wouldn't ordinarily have. And I didn't... Like, I wasn't consciously aware because I was a part of the system that was like, oh, a disabled person, uh, you have to talk about their disability, and this is something that, you know, you have to do purposefully. And the whole concept of that competition, based on the previous films I had seen, it wasn't even addressed. It was not even addressed. There were stories with uh, a detective that had cerebral palsy, and it was not ever mentioned that this detective had cerebral palsy, and the story was just told. And I'm like, I have never seen anything like this before. Yeah. This is new. Um, cut the story short a little bit. We ended up winning best film in this competition. Um, and I was like, oh, I can marry advocacy work with film, my passion for filmmaking. Like, yeah, oh, this is what I have to be doing. it doesn't have to be, this is a show about people in wheelchairs. Exactly. Is, it's like, yeah, there's a guy with a wheelchair. The same way there'd be a guy with, like, you know, long hair or something. It's just it, like... I met one of the other filmmakers from this competition, um, John Lawson, and, and he tells this story um, all the time about this, but he's a double amputee, okay? He has um, essentially two hooks for, for hands that he's very dexterous with. He can sure. open, do, do whatever. Um, he is a diving instructor, a scuba diving instructor, and a private pilot instructor. In his real life, this is the, the stuff that he does, okay? He cannot pay somebody to have him fake those things on TV and in movies, I'm like, that is crazy. Because I mean, people will never believe it. You'll never believe that. It's like, but you're actually doing it. He's actually doing this stuff. So I, for me, it's suddenly become like, oh, this is, this is sort of my calling of what I need to be doing with my quote-unquote entertainment. Like, we still can make fun stuff, but hey, here's an entire pool of people who have been marginalized and not able to, to do stuff for the simple reason that people haven't thought that it's possible. But right. it is. That's yeah. amazing. So anyway... I'm in. All right. What's I love that. <laughs> I don't know. I'll help any way I could. I no, love that. I yeah. think that's amazing. No, it is. I, it's it's awesome. That's one of the main reasons I want to I'm not inviting myself into your world, but I'm just saying. I, if, yeah, come along. If you want to be. That's amazing. Active participation what's your, is your What's your, of the yeah, 14, yeah, right? of yeah. the 14 films you made, what's your, do you have a favorite? Do you have a, or are they all kind of layers of love? and like different. Yeah. They're all different. So um, we just found out the other night that our 48-hour film from this year, uh, Crystal's Ball, has been nominated for at least one award in the 48-hour competition. So we've gotten into the best of oh, wow. um, screening, uh, which is happening in a couple of weeks. Okay, so not every. it's not like do the thing, screen them, done, everything in 48 hours. You make them in 48 hours, submit them immediately so they know you're done. Yep. Yep. And then there's a whole other process. There's, it's a whole it's sort of competition that happens. So we had our premiere screenings last week or, or the week prior. The, and this is all through them? All through the, the organization, the 48-hour um, film project organization. Okay. And they sponsor it. Um, I mean, you, you pay to, to be a part of this. I mean, it's not yeah, like course, running an yeah. Iron Man, right? It's right. like that's yeah, how you, you look at it. Like to get in. Endurance filmmaking, right? Yeah. <laughs> a, that's, that's sort of the, um, the challenge. But, um, but yeah, so you have this public screening. And then out of that, there are audience awards. So people can choose, you know, who yeah. their favorite audience person is. Is there categories like best comedy, best drama? Um, they haven't broken it down like that um, because genre-wise, you get this whole smattering, right? Yeah. Um, but then, you know, out of that pool, it gets adjudicated, and you know, the judges decide who gets to go to the next level, which is the best of. 
out of that, you know, the the city winner, you'll you know, the, whoever's won the city that year, we've never won the city. Um, we've been doing this for a long time. The competition is pretty stiff. Well, well, I mean, you're in land of the filmmakers. You know, exactly. it's not like you're taking your skills out here and going to Wyoming to do it. You're doing it in the middle of where everyone makes films. It's well, and among a group of people that I have to say, making a film in 48 hours is not easy. It's fuck, not like, fuck, oh yeah, no, dude, make a film making hours, a sure. film in like 10 months isn't easy. <laughs> like, it's, making it's, one in 48 hours is damn near impossible. Yeah. And that ideally is is watchable and for, right, right. It's not garbage. Yeah, that's not garbage, right? <laughs> yeah. And I have to say, like, there's a lot of 48 hour films where the teams did try, right? They went out and they tried and made something that didn't quite land because they ran out of time and they hadn't been through it before. They don't know what to do. And you see these teams, one of the other things I want to mention is our team, Cultural Detritus, um, is nominated for a Spirit of the 48 Award this year, which is all these teams that have made 10 or more films in the 48-hour competition. Wow. Um, and there's a, there's a number of us in, uh, in Los Angeles, and it's super friendly competition. We, we hang out with each yeah, other you're outside. Not, yeah, you're not like, fucking, I'm going to cut your brake line and like... No, it's... <laughs> what? We don't tell people that. Uh, I've got so many brake lines. I've got so many brake lines. John. <laughs> um, but, you know, these teams that have made more than 10, and you kind of see as from like a body of work perspective, because I recently... I, had a, I, I taught a class, essentially, or a seminar. I was on a panel of How to 48, they called it, right? It was me and two other team leaders that had made a significant number of films. And you see the growth, and you see the difference of what the beginning was like versus now. Um, and it's pretty impressive. Yeah. You know, I've honed my skills as a filmmaker through the course of this 48, just trying different things. I've never done a fantasy film before. It's not, I don't know that I ever would have purposefully gone out and necessarily done that had I not been given it. Same thing with a musical. I don't know that I would have just chosen to, right. to do that. Right. You know? But you're forced to, essentially, right. with yeah. this. You, you no, it's, it's great. If you're up for the challenge, it's, it's in you, and not being afraid to fail, and which that, is a big part of it, too, right? You absolutely. Kinda, you just which is a go huge in. part of it, but that's, the, that's a huge part of life, and that's where I think a lot of people get held back, and it's the idea that you see someone, like, let's say I just meet Carl today. I'm like, well... T- this guy's winning Emmys. Why would I try to be in... I can't win an Emmy. I was, that's not the point. Like, you see people who are like, you're like, oh, well, that guy's already doing that. Like, I, I can't, you know. It's like that person took forever to get to there. You know what I mean? They took... They fought and they worked and they practiced and they rehearsed and they tried and they failed over and over and over again until they reached this thing that everyone then looks at and goes, oh, well, this guy just came out of nowhere. Like, nobody just comes out of nowhere. Baseball players don't come out of nowhere. Actors don't come out of nowhere. Producers don't come out of nowhere. You have to fucking try. You know, you have to try and fail over and over in order to get where you are. I think Agreed. Damien Chazelle might have come out of nowhere. I don't know. He, he made Whiplash the, the short and then suddenly is youngest oh. Oscar winner in directing history. Okay, well, maybe that guy came out of nowhere, but my guess is he's been he doing that. He was from Rhode Island, actually. He's he not from nowhere. That, that and what's his name? The guy that... Uh, that you worked for, Ashton Kutcher. There's two people, two th- two, two people, people out of a Ashton, gazillion. Yeah, and Ashton. those stories are marketed, right? So then people think that really, it, right? It is like something. all I got to do is do my, auto, my underwear, models some underwear in Iowa, and then come to LA, and I'm going to get that 70s show. Like, yeah, yeah. Ashton, boom. Ashton got you boom, know boom. fortunate. And but if you look at what he's done and what he's doing now, like he's now someone who like you can you can wade through all the shit that whatever you thought of him before he's now trying to make a positive impact and do and do worthwhile things you know what i mean like he's he's matured and grown up and understood that he can use what he's earned and and worked for to help other people and i think that is also a huge uh uh important thing and that's the responsibility i think we have 
once people get to a certain level, it, it, no, no matter what level you're on, I, I shouldn't you know, predicate it on, on that specific, but how can you help other people? What can you do to, to but I think, help others? I think that should be a thing in life. You know what 100%. I mean? 100%. Like, like, yeah, just like, you know, when I think about everyone being like these people, oh, I'm so wealthy, it's like, yeah, but what are you, what are you going to, okay, so then what? You die, and then where does your money go? Like, what, what does it matter? Like, do something worthwhile. Help other people. Give them, help give them a leg up. Give them, you know, give them jobs. Give them, you know, uh, uh, opportunities to, to earn for themselves. Like, just, it, it's kind of like how it, everything should work, and you'll feel better as a human being, and, and then that person that you helped will then help other people. It's a real pay-it-forward mentality that is legit and real and and there's not there's no point in hoarding information or hoarding uh money or hoarding you know job titles it's like everyone there's room for everybody like everyone talks about like hollywood is small yeah it's a small business essentially but like there's room for everybody that wants to be involved absolutely and i think the the biggest thing for me now you know i sort of have my life goals like what am i what am i aiming for I would love to get as many people working as possible, right? Sure. That's sort of like a big, big thing for me. And in entertainment, what's awesome is it starts with a blank page. And from that blank page, you can create so many different things. You can and go anywhere. It just kind of keeps... And in this day and age, when there's so many outlets and so many ways... Like, I, I don't know how much money people will be making. I know the, the sort of heyday of... Oh, yeah, that's changed. You know, but you figure it out and, and get as many people doing what they want to be doing as possible. I'd, I would love to, to kind of get a production company to do that, you know? Yeah, I mean, that's what I produced some commercials for Zappos uh, last summer, and that was the whole thing. Is me? And I love my, your uh, shoes, by the way. My buddy, <laughs> yeah, they're great, thanks. Um, but that was it. Me and my buddy were like, you know, let's, let's do what we said we were going to do when we were PAs. Let's hire all the people we know that we like, that are good, that we trust, that are going to be fun to be around. Let's put them all together in one thing. And then we made, it was so good. They were like, oh, we got to put this on TV. You know, it's like just by doing it's that, awesome. working with positive people that you understand and you get along with, and you, just by having a good time on set, we were able to make something that was worthwhile. So, yeah, I mean, I guess the, the today's theme is uh, positivity, helping other people. And... Um, and don't be afraid to fail. You know what I mean? If, if you want to be a filmmaker, if you want to be a musician, if you want to be a poet, if you want to be any kind of artist, like, and, and that goes, if you want to just be in production and, and you want to work your way up to producer, you gotta, you're going to have to, you're going to be, you're going to make some mistakes as a PA. You're going to make some doozies. I've made them as a segment producer. I've made them as a supervising producer. I've made a lot of mistakes. But I'd like to think that every mistake that I made, while it might have taken a while, I learned from and grew from and became a better person for um, that uh, hopefully, 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 we'll see at the end when people speak at my funeral how many of them spit on me. I am curious as we as we start to wrap up here how you uh, be. I'm always curious with East Coasters who don't go through New York and always end up in L.A. So what was the what uh, was how did that all come about? Once you decided this is what I want to do. Yeah. So uh, quick quick story. When I was 14, I got my first paid job, um, which was as a production assistant on the movie House Sitter. Steve Martin and Goldie Hawn were in it. It came to Massachusetts, um, and I was able to, to get a job. Um, technically, I was set intern. You see me in the credits as set intern. Nice. Because somebody gave me an opportunity. Um, my mentor, Michelle Wright, was the associate producer, essentially production manager on that show. She gave me an opportunity because I wrote a letter, and I had to go get a doctor's physical to sign up because I was 14. I was a minor. Yeah. Um, and... Uh, 
and I met all these amazing people. Just it was like it was such a nice, welcoming, warm set that every single person told me, "Don't get used to this kid. This isn't the way that it actually is." Yeah, <laughs> right. But I don't know any different. I'm a 14 year old kid. I'm just like I'm on a movie set. Oh my yeah. god! And everyone's so stars. great because Every- they're making movies, and how fucking could this not be fun? Yeah. yeah. So yeah. so that sort of was an experience that for me was was truly sort of life life making. Insofar as now, that's whenever I make something, like you were saying, John, making that commercial, like surround yourself with people you like, you want to work with and enjoy it. Like you're going to be the, going through a grind with them. You, yeah, you but the product will be good. Exactly. You, you will go through a grind and there'll be some setbacks and there's going to be some, you know, oh, we can't do this. So we got to do this. But at the end of it, it's like, man, that was fun. You yeah. know? And you realize you just got paid for basically not fucking off, but like hanging out with your friends and just fucking doing shit you enjoy. Right, exactly. That's exactly it. So, I mean, this was at f- the age of 14, and I'm, I'm doing this. So I'm making these connections with some amazing, pretty high-level high people on features, right? Sure. This is the people who have done um, Sleepless in Seattle, and What About Bob, and all these movies that I'm just like, as a kid, I was like, whoa, wait, yeah, what? Those are huge movies. Huge, huge. Um, and these are the people making them, right? So I've stayed, I stayed friends with them or, or in contact, you know? I mean, I was a kid, and they, they really were more mentor types. Um, but so uh, when I decided to go to college, I decided to go to Ithaca College. It was just the right school for me. Uh, they had a film and TV program. I, I majored in cinema, and I, I did TV stuff on the side. Um, but they had an L.A. program. So for me, I chose L.A. because... I felt claustrophobic in New York. You couldn't really see the sky. It just—it was like felt very imposing to me, and I don't think I was ready for that. I felt like L.A. was much more my style for whatever reason. And when the L.A. program happened, it felt right. It, it felt like the right fit. Um, so then I decided after graduation, I'm like, yeah, this is this is where I want to be. Um, but before I could before I, I moved out, I was still working on features in Massachusetts. I mean, I worked on. Um, State in Maine with David oh, yeah. Mamet and, yeah. and, you know, with Alec Baldwin, Sarah Jessica Parker, and all these people. To drive Charles Durning. I mean, he's just crazy as a PA, right? That's the movie like, that we all got, and then, so that happened. That's so the, that, that happened. the movie that, that we Baldwin got line. that from. That's right. So that happened. When people say that, that's where it's from. That's funny. Interesting enough, that line, the, where Alec Baldwin utters that line, is in downtown Manchester by the sea. Ah, it was right after a car there flip, right? Yep, after the car flip. Yeah, I don't know why I remember that movie so well. Well, it's interesting because we all he put all the PAs in the movie. We were all because it was about filmmaking. Like he put uh, all of us in it. My scene got cut out. I had carried the mayor's cake in. Charles Durning was the mayor. Um, Patty Lapone was the mayor's wife. I mean, they're all it was amazing cast, yeah. right? Because it was David Mamet. Yeah. Um, Philip Seymour Hoffman was in this. Ooh, like, wow. Re, it was just it was an awesome experience to to have that right after college. I went from Staten, Maine. Or actually, I'd worked on The Perfect Storm before that, because I was in Gloucester. I left Perfect Storm early to go to Staten, Maine. Wow. Um, and had to postpone my move. Like, my roommates came, we loaded up the truck, and I was still working on these movies. Wow. Um, I'd worked on uh, Steve Buscemi's, uh, Buscemi's second film, um, Animal Factory, which he directed in, in Philadelphia that year, too. It was just sort of boom, boom, boom. Is um, that Edward Furlong? Yep, Eddie Furlong yeah. was in it. I mean, I have all these crazy stories from those movies, I but um, <laughs> and from a production, you know, production assistant standpoint. Yeah. Uh, and uh, you don't mind if I wipe my nose on this microphone, right? <laughs> I realize yourself. I'm like, sorry. Treat yourself. We'll watch that. We'll watch this later. <laughs> um, but yeah, and then I, I moved out here December fourth, ninety nine, and bam, it was just like all this stuff was happening. Reality TV was starting, and that's where I 
took off on the reality TV stuff. Kind of made your bones, cut your teeth. Yeah. Which is where I landed in doc stuff, documentaries. Do yeah. you still see yourself uh, striving to get back into that film world that you once uh, started with? I, I do, but I, as a creator, right? It's like I want to be um, the, the sort of creative person and I want to direct that, that I you know the adage like I re- what I really want to do is direct I really do I, I enjoy yeah. that process yeah I feel at home on set I really I really like it and I feel like um putting a story together like I really enjoy that process so um so I think through the course of the 48 hour films you know I'm trying to to do some other projects in in sort of similar time frame um you know concept anyway uh, to try and get back into it, to yeah. differentiate myself you know, okay. from, from the field. <clears throat> so it was school that brought you out, or is it pretty? And it sounds like you came out with a couple other people. Did they did they survive it, or are you the last man standing? No, they survived, or, or at least one survived. One became a post supervisor, okay, um, and decided post was was where he wanted to be. Another one moved away. I think the did not survive it. It, which happens. I mean, yeah. that's the thing. It's like people forget that there's, and I, I always applaud anybody that tries to pursue a dream. And even if it doesn't work out, you should not be ashamed if you if you leave here. This isn't for everybody. It's not. And like, it's not easy. No, that's it is not. Thing. It's not easy. No. And, you know, I, I chose a, a, a path of all, like, I was like, well, I really want to stay. And I really want to start a life here. Like, that's the other thing, too. It's like, do you want to have a life here? I never thought I'd have a kid in Los Angeles. Well, neither did I. I'm not going to lie to you. But uh, it's been okay. Yeah. I, I think the world has changed uh, quite a bit since we were growing up. I really do. And like, I don't I think at some point you would have had fears of like, oh, God, don't raise your kid in Chicago or New York, the city of Chicago, or the city of New York, or the city of Los Angeles. Oh, my God. They're going to be nothing but drug addicts and losers. It's like, eh, it's not really like that anymore. And I think our mindset probably has also shifted as we've gotten older to see that a little bit more from that perspective. You yeah. Know what I mean, I feel like when you're younger, you know, it's like you don't, you don't know that stuff. It's no. not even... Part of your, your no, nomenclature. You think about it, yeah. You know. No, and I mean, listen, I'm a little bit outside the. I'm uh, adjacent, adjacent, so I'm a little bit in the safe zone as well. But you know, but anyway, you could live anywhere and have problems, as we all know. Oh, true. Growing Absolutely, up, so it doesn't really matter. You don't have to blame it on the place you live per se, right? You blame it on your youth. No, but I'm glad. I mean, you know, you, you stay. It's like it's you, it's you don't. You're right. Like you said, it's, it's funny if you look at it. You started that 48 hour film festival 14 years ago. No, I had no and idea I was going to land. No, I no. I, I'm assuming I had not met your wife, or had you? Right? Not yet. Not yet. So right. So like now, flash forward 14 years later, married, kid, still doing it. It's a different. It's a different lifestyle. And right? I get to cast my wife. Right. It, I mean, which is great. She's in. Is she in all of them? She. How is, long has she been with you on these? Since 2000. When was the first one? I think 2007 was the first one she was. Oh, in. Okay. So, um, but she's always she's a phenomenal actor. I mean, she really is a great actor. Um, you know, I, and I would cast her because of that fact. I think yeah, yeah, yeah. along the way, suddenly she's like, "Oh, you're only casting me because you're, you know, you're my husband." I'm like, "Absolutely not. I don't right. work with bad actors." You know, yeah. So. It's just for one moment, you're like, "Oh, here we go. We got the actress thing. All right, we got to work this out. I got an actress wife. So, all right, here, here's the thing, sweetie. No, no, no. The, it's the, the, sh- the creative insecurities come out at some point, right? Yeah, and and I have found I love working with her. I really love working with her in that capacity. It's fun. Like watching her perform is a joy. I like seeing to, going to see her in, in plays when she's in yeah. a play, or she's just she's a, such a great performer. Um, but being able to actively do that and and both give our give ourselves the opportunity yeah. to do that, you know, I'm, I just tell her I'm like, let's just do things ourselves. Like she she started her own web series that I shot and edited for, but she produced and directed it. And in the middle of shooting it, 
you know, I mean, I had to step back because I'm used to directing. Like, I would be like, oh, this idea. And she'd be, you know, she'd kind of do it <laughs> grudgingly. And then she'd like, I think it's this way. And then when we got into edit, her takes were always the best because she had the vision. She yeah. had the idea, right? So I'm like, okay, I can, I step back and I realized, I'm like, oh, I want to, this is what I want to be doing. This, I want to be working in this capacity with my wife who's, yeah. who's fantastic and, um, yeah, you guys are also friends and, and you're getting shit done and you're yeah. having fun and like, I mean, what else is there I mean, really? Listen, we, we have our share of problems, but we, we work through them and still get to that point where we enjoy you, that. As long as you're self-aware. I was going to say. You're very self-aware. No That's the only thing. It's, you, people are, you're going to make mistakes. As I always say, life is ugly and once you realize that, it becomes beautiful pretty quick. That's great. I, I mean, love that. it's like that's, you just kind of have to accept the fact that there is no perfect ending. There's yeah. no perfect moment. It's like if you're, try, if you're striving for that, you will forever be let down. Yeah. So don't. <laughs> There's an adage, my, my dad's health hasn't been the best. And uh, we had to go back to Massachusetts last year um, to, you know, I, I, what I thought, you know, might have been the last time I was going to see my dad. Um, but, you know, he was, his health, like, he was just confined to the house. And he was the gardener of the family, right? So he would go and, and maintain the garden at my parents' house. When we get there, the garden's a disaster, we were going to have like this party and nobody could go, could go out there. So my wife and I work for two days straight, essentially like clearing out the weeds and getting this in and making it sort of like giving his palate back is what I like to say. Yeah, like yeah. He could go back out and do it. But it was beautiful. Um, and, uh, you know, a few weeks go by, we'd come back out. Everything was fine with him. He has another health scare. I think we were back for the 4th of July. That's what it was. Back for the 4th of July. I did this, had the party, um, flew back, and then health scare happened. I had to fly back. This was only like eight weeks after the fact, and the garden was a disaster again. And I looked at it, and I was like, whoa, this is like a great sort of like, an al not analogy. Analogy, is that the word I'm looking for? Um, for life, of the, a garden needs to be maintained. You need to constantly weed. You need to, con you have to water. You have to, you have to just like maintain it to, to make it beautiful. And, and that's what life, yeah. that's what yeah. life is. Yeah. That's what your that's soul true. Yeah, needs no, yeah. too. And it is an analogy. You yeah, are right. Right. <laughs> I'm like, I've lost, I've lost the ability. <laughs> no, 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 but that's, that's, uh, okay, very well, gone out the window. <laughs> very well put. Very well put. No, it's man. Great, great. Uh, you're a great storyteller. Yeah, Thank man. Thank you for uh, Thank coming you very on much and for sharing coming on the, doing the show. Thank you for having me. It's been a lot of fun. Love yeah. the spirit. Love the energy. I'm serious about that. The uh, Easter Seal stuff or anything. That's. I I feel the same way you do. It's like at some point you gotta start finding ways to give back. And whatever that is, there is no perfect giving back. That's what people think. They're like, well, that's not really giving back. No, no, there's no such thing as that's not really giving back. If you're doing something Unless with you're genuine really intent, not giving back. <laughs> well, <laughs> right. Yeah. There's okay. The only time I I'll say that is if your intent is to give so that you can show off that you're giving, then you're not really giving. Then you're not really oh, correct. Right, it's yeah. it's that that's that's not what this is about. What it's about is just doing something and doing it because you want to do it and then move on. You don't if you if you stop and go, eh? Huh? No expectations. No Zero. expectations. Zero expectations. Right. Yep. right. But well, that kind of stuff, it's like, you know, that, that what you, the stuff that you were talking about, that touches me in a way. Like, again, I look at that and go, gosh, you know, I'm that guy. I didn't know. I didn't know because I just, I just put a blind eye to it. And I just go, oh. And then you, you get exposed to it and you're like, shit, he's right. He's right. And are there enough people? Like you said, you, the only way to do it, to fix something is to be involved. Not fix it, but to be involved with it. You can't just acknowledge it and go, all right, I'll just tell other people that story, which is not a bad thing either to share that information. But well, also, you, if it touches you, you should engage and try to work with it. 100%. And, and quickly on the disability front, too, there's 20% of Americans have a disability. Only 3% are represented in film and TV. And out of those 3%, 
a lot of people are able-bodied actors pretending to have pretending, a disability. Pretending, yeah, not really disabled. Right, yeah. so it's like you think about 20% of the population reduced to the... Like, that's, that's, that's crazy to yeah. me that that's the case. And now, think about all those stories that you haven't even heard yet. Yeah. And you know what I mean? It's like these things, oh, every story's been heard. Oh, well, yeah, right. Yeah. Just yeah. wait. Just wait. Right. Where can people get They've rebooted get Spider-Man three times in the, in, uh, in the 2000s, so I think there's a pretty good chance every story has not been heard yet. Right, right. <laughs> um, what, where can people go to get involved with the 48-hour film festival or the Easter Seals film projects? Is this uh, online? Yeah, so um, Easter Seals, uh, it's called the Easter Seals Disability Film Challenge. Uh, and I want to say that's it's Easter Seals Disability Film Challenge dot com, um, or you can Google it and, and yeah. it'll come up. Uh, and then Forty Eight Hours, same thing. Um, there's all sorts of different timed ones out there, including the Forty Eight Hour Project, which is not the Forty Eight Hour Film Project. Like they've tried to, I think, capitalize yeah. on, on the name. Get some uh, um, miss hits on Google. Yeah, but if you go to Forty Eight Hour dot com or um, Forty Eight Hour Film Project specifically. Uh, you'll see more information. And, and it's in 140 or so cities all over the world now. So nice. LA is so, just one city. Yeah, so if you're out there and you you know, you know want to, you think you got the, the chops, make some short films, do it quickly. Forces force you to get force. off your button, make something. Yeah. And a lot of times, a forced deadline is exactly what we need. You know what I mean? There's been many times when I'm like, oh man, I got to write something, I got to write something, I got to write something. It's like, nope, no, you got to write something today. And it's like, oh shit. And then you crank it out. You know what I mean? People need deadlines a lot of times. Uh, but this is this could be a, a, an interesting way to get your feet wet and get started. Or if you're already, you made a bunch of films, this is a good way to kind of show off and and, uh, and hone your skills some more. 100%. Agreed. Thank you so All much. Alright, thanks Carl. Carl. Really appreciate it, man. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Hollywood Anonymous. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Hollywood Anani. That is short for Hollywood Anonymous. You can also follow John individually at John Huck and myself, Brian Irwin, at Brian Irwin on Twitter as well. Both of us can be found on Facebook. You can also Google us and contact us directly, HollywoodAnonymousGuys at gmail.com. Thank you again so much for listening, and please don't forget to subscribe 